All right. So welcome back again, everybody, for yet another week. Uh, just experiencing some mild technical difficulties beforehand. Of course, as always, everything breaks, you know, the moment you start to try to use it. But we are back here with a bunch of new topics. Me and Dylan are actually going to learn some new things about sports today, which is going to be interesting. I know it always seems like, you know, we just know everything. So, but, you know, there's some things we don't, and we're going to go over that. So everything from uh, the USA winning the Kanakav uh, or Kanakav, man, Oh, you had a second chance so... to pronounce that, and you still messed no, it, it up. <laughs> I didn't think about it. Danny pronounced it so well, and now I can't remember how he did it. But <laughs> they won that, which is amazing. And we're going to learn about the Euros 2020, which is coming up, which is going to be awesome. Uh, and we're also going to learn about the Women's College World Series, which is going to be fun as well. And we are bringing on Dylan's girlfriend, Tessa, who is an ex-softball player and knows a lot more about this following it uh, throughout its the tournament. Um, I've kind of just watched like game one and game two, so I've know a little bit, but obviously not a ton, nor do I know enough about any of the teams or any of the players to be able to accurately, you know, cover it as a topic. So Tessa will enlighten both of us in that category. And then later on, we'll cover everything ranging from the NFL to Major League Baseball and all the controversies happening now with pitchers, uh, boxing, just all kinds of stuff that we're going to cover to kind of uh, go through everything. But uh, yeah, so do you want to go ahead and transition us over yeah. to our first topic? Okay, um, so our first topic is going to be the one you currently see on the screen. It is going to be the Women's College uh, World Series in Oklahoma City that's going on right now. Um, I don't know too much about it except for the couple of games that I had been watching just recently that came up. So I am going to bring on our guest in just a second. I'll switch to a transition. Uh, let her get set up really quickly. It'll just be Dylan on screen, and then we'll come back, and uh, she will start her piece with Dylan also following along and learning, and I'll be learning off to the side. So let me do that right now and transition to here. All right. Well, while I have the screen, actually, I said it uh, on the podcast a couple times ago that the moment my Justin Fields jersey came in for the Bears, I was going to wear it on the podcast. And here we are with uh, you know full jersey on ready to go it's amazing love it absolutely great so i just wanted to you know introduce that a little bit while we're going through this transition yeah as far as uh softball i don't know a ton i mean i understand obviously the basic rules and everything because i played baseball and softball is a little different obviously i'm not going to go out and say that it's the same or anything but uh we are going to learn kind of about that which would be fun i've been watching the for game one and game two of the world series it's been kind of entertaining it's been interesting i'm not you know new to the whole thing so it's fun to actually be able to watch something that i normally do not and uh i it's been interesting to watch for sure i mean the games have been exciting and there's been like plays back and forth that are like you know top 10 espn top 10 plays going on so i'm excited and look forward to it and I think we're ready to go. So <laughs> introducing Tessa on the podcast. Here we are. Oh, I don't know if I'm on it. Am I on? Yes. You All right. I, okay. Hello. Um, I am here tonight to talk about the NCAA Women's College World Series. It's right now taking place. Um, like Dylan had said, it's out in Oklahoma City. Um, but before we get to where we're currently at in the tournament, I want to talk a little bit about how they got there. Um, 
So getting to the tournament, uh, national participation, there's 291 NCAA member institutions that sponsor Division I softball teams. So they're all eligible to compete. Um, out of the 291 programs, that's about 6,000 plus softball student athletes. So crazily enough, there are that many people out there playing softball. So um, let's go to the selection process. The Division I softball championship provides for a field of 64 teams in the very beginning. They compete for a spot in the national tournament. Of the 64 teams, there's 32 that automatically get a qualification um, because of their record, who they're playing, um, that sort of thing. And then there's another 32 that are selected by committee. Of these teams, 16 teams will be seeded, and each of the seeded teams will be placed at one of the regional sites. So they do have a little selection show. It's kind of like March Madness. It's really fun as a softball player to see this take place. Um, this is the Christmas if you love softball. It is the best time of the year. I remember growing up, being 10 years old, coming home from playing my own tournaments and being like, it's time for more softball. So it is the time of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I actually, I love, like, the selection tournaments and stuff like mm -hmm. that because it is super exciting to see where, like, teams are going to end up and, like, also just the excitement of, like, teams that are unranked. Because I know there was a, well, you'll, I'm sure you'll cover it, but yeah. I know there was, like, a couple surprising, like, unranked teams that kind of made a lot of noise. So, like, that's also just fun to see, like, what teams are getting in and, like, everything. And that's, I, I didn't even know that they had a selection process. I didn't know that, like, the World Series was, like, a full tournament thing until like this this year and then i was kind of paying attention to it and i was like oh wow this is like there's like a ton of teams that are competing in this so yeah yeah, yeah okay so i'm glad you're learning it's a great game it is in my opinion a more fun game than baseball because you see how quickly the game moves with shorter base paths and like shorter distance to a fence do you know how often a home run is hit in women's softball it is very often. Like, I'm pretty sure right now Oklahoma is hitting a home run every five at-bats. Every five yeah. at-bats. Isn't that insane? Yeah, I was going to say, that was the other crazy thing, too, when I was, like, looking up the stats for the teams. It was, like, crazy, like, mm -hmm. the amount of people that was just, like, the home runs. Or, like, I think, like, four players for Oklahoma's hitting, like, well over 400. I was mm -hmm. like, that's insane. Yes. Because, like, being a pitcher's got to be freaking difficult in that just to, like, mm -hmm. hit against you know non-stop like just onslaught of like talented people so definitely so next i wanted to move on um how the regionals work um for division one softball like we said before there's 16 sites so at each site there's four teams and it's a double elimination like mini tournament um mm -hmm. And then the 16 winning teams advance to the Super Regionals. So it's usually that the highest seeded team plays at their home field. So like this year, um, Oklahoma University, they play out of Norman, Oklahoma, and they hosted like the first site. So it just kind of goes throughout like that. Um, the 16 teams that came out winning the regional round this year were Oklahoma, Washington, James Madison, Missouri, Oklahoma State, Georgia, Florida, UCLA, Florida State, LSU, Arkansas, Arizona, Kentucky, and Alabama. So there's a lot of big names there. Um, a lot of Southern teams are usually out there winning too. So yeah, I was I was gonna say I was I noticed that's like a a trend even in just regular college baseball too. Mm -hmm. That's also a trend where 
there's like the the southern teams where weather's a little bit nicer it's easier to kind of play year-round or longer Mm year-round there's a lot of that so that's that's interesting because there's a lot of teams like that but then there are some surprises like i'm I don't like. I don't think James Madison's that far south, right? That's James Madison's uh, in Virginia, so not very okay. south. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say okay. So and like just, and Washington, Washington's usually yeah. a pretty big name, and they're up north. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of cool. I wonder if it's. I wonder if because uh, obviously being able to you know train outside and everything like that longer uh, for the southern teams makes more sense. I wonder what that goes into it for Washington. Like, I wonder if it's the facilities are different, or like, or if they're able to just. Uh, you know kind of accommodate that all year round easier um so even when i played travel it was Mm -hmm. we had an indoor facility and i assume that these indoor facilities are freaking amazing kind of thing especially for a team like washington they do win a championship every once in a while it's not like they're out there just playing to play and making it to the tournament but they win they have been really good in the um, in the past. Um, one of the big names that comes from Washington is Danielle Laurie. She was a great pitcher. I'm not sure if she's still playing professionally, but when I was younger, she was like the big deal from Washington. Interesting. So what uh, I know you're talking about the uh, Super Regionals, with, I think, with the 16 teams. Um, mm-hmm. Who of those are like the powerhouses that like, are the ones that you know are there every year and then who are the ones that are kind of like newer to that state that so in my watching time it's you you always see oklahoma you always see at least one of the floridas whether it's florida or florida state but this year they both um they both came out of their regional round so you do see a lot of uh florida teams um i haven't seen kentucky in the tournament before. So it was nice to see someone else from the South, at least Um, Arizona, their coach retired this year, but he had been to the tournament, I think something like 36 times and they've won a ton of championships. Like even Jenny Finch played for Arizona and he had coached her. So if you think about it going that far back, like they had been to the championship a bunch of times. Um, So a big name in the past years, I think UCLA was our previous champion. They didn't play the championship last year because of COVID, but I believe two years ago was UCLA. They won the whole thing. And then three years ago was Florida State. So seeing some familiar names, they're usually coming back around. I hadn't seen much from um, Alabama before. I know that they usually make it pretty far, but I hadn't seen them make it to the championship round before but that's probably just in my maybe 10 years of watching <laughs> gotcha okay yeah. fair enough yeah yeah so moving forward into the super regionals um that's down to eight sites then so at each site you have two teams playing in a best of three tournament format and then those winners from each site advance to the women's college world series so it kind of just breaks it down breaks it down and then you only end up having a couple teams that go to the world series um i think it's eight yeah so there's eight winning teams that come from their super regionals um into the women's college world series or the wcws our teams this year were oklahoma alabama james madison arizona Oklahoma State, UCLA, Georgia, and Florida State. So those are a lot of big names that play good softball and have good sports programs like universally. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we have our newcomer, James Madison. So that was the big deal this year was James Madison. Yeah, and I think I saw that they were like a huge underdog that 
because didn't they didn't early in that of the eight teams their first matchup didn't they upset somebody in their first matchup or they upset somebody huge to get there something like that where it was like really surprising like they shut them out or something right right i i don't remember who they played in the first round i did watch the game i promise but it's escaping me right now i say a lot of teams yeah there was a lot of lot of i've been watching this for weeks it feels like just watching teams get there and it's been like every day for a couple weeks now and i'm just kind of all right let's get it going so yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I did watch it like a preview of uh, where it was showing the eight teams that were kind of matching up, and it was interesting mm-hmm. to kind of hear like what the teams you know are good at, like special, like obviously players that you know show like it's funny because like Oklahoma they talked about as being like obviously a, a hitting powerhouse, mm-hmm. and that's why it's no surprise that they're here. But then you get teams like Florida State who they're playing against, who is like a huge uh, pitching, like they had a ton of like amazing pitchers and kind of an all around offense. And then I was hearing like. You know, like Alabama, there was uh, uh, Montana Fouts was a girl uh, that yes. I heard was we'll like get to huge. Her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that was awesome. I like heard that and I was like, why isn't I was like, this is awesome. I was mm-hmm. like in an elimination game. That's crazy. So we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, but yes. yeah. Uh, um, yeah, there was a lot of interesting like I was just hearing about it. I was like, oh, it's pretty cool to see like teams getting there for different reasons. Um, and then also just like, I don't know, just generally watching like the chain, the pace of play and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's it was so interesting to see like. I don't know, just like because of the field being a little bit smaller and everything like that infield, it's very hard to like react as quick as they like need to for with the way that the ball's coming like mm-hmm. out as fast. So it's it's it was kind of crazy to watch that, too, because then like you watch some of the fielding and uh, some of the plays that were made. And it's like gives you an appreciation for like understanding like how far they have to track to then like how quick they have to react and everything. So it was, it's been fun to watch it. But yeah, these these. Eight teams. I know James Madison was the one that was like a huge shocker there mm-hmm. in that that bunch. Yeah, yeah. So now we're gonna move into tournament format. This is the WCWS itself. So it is two. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> it is two four-team double elimination brackets. So what we see here is that the winners of each bracket then compete in the best of three series to determine the champion so that's where we're at right now in real time like the the second game of three was just played tonight so we've been seeing some really incredible games this year um and one of the biggest things that has happened is that the first ncaa softball game to air on abc happened on saturday may 29th so it marks the first time in history that a college softball game aired on one of the major broadcast networks so like that's huge i know you some people will say oh it's a slow sports week okay basketball's on like let's watch softball and no that was yeah. sorry just to cut in real quick that was that was what i thought was interesting too was is i hadn't like i am being a baseball fan i've heard about the softball world series and i've seen things about it over the years but like i will say this year it has been like really kind of thrown out there as like being a much bigger thing than mm-hmm. maybe it has in the past and like it always happens every year obviously but like just as public wide i feel like the reach that i saw on social media and everything like that was a lot bigger this year than in previous years Right. So that was game two of the Washington, Oklahoma series. Um, And it was also the return of Jessica Mendoza. And she's like a well-known softball great. Like she played, I think she played at Stanford, um, I believe. I don't want to 
<laughs> but like I'm pretty sure she played at Stanford. I know she was all American multiple times and I'm pretty sure she was one of those in the era of Jenny Finch that went on to play professionally and that was when professional softball actually like had a bit of a following. And right mm -hmm. now it's just college. So at least we have college softball um ready for some Olympic softball to come back, but it's it's out there. We're hoping for growth and hopefully seeing it because it's so fun. Like you watch a college baseball game and it's kind of long and drawn out at some points, but like softball moves quickly and it keeps your attention. And yeah, they sometimes do go to extra innings and it makes it a little bit longer, but they're still only playing seven innings most of the time. So it's it's a quick game. Well, and I thought it was interesting too is, is I watching experience watching uh, college baseball versus college softball. Uh, one thing I will note is sometimes in college baseball, it almost feels like a team could be like overwhelmingly, you know, good or something like that, where it's almost like not like there's no point in watching the other team because you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, this team's going to win. Whereas like in college softball, like, I mean, even just looking at this World Series and these two games, you saw one game where, you know, the uh, Florida State's pitching, which has been kind of a strength of theirs wins out in the first game. And then in the second game, Oklahoma's offense storms back to life, which is the thing that they've had all year. So it's kind of interesting to see like um, where like, it's almost like back and forth. Like it's not like you can't be just one sided. Like you have to actually have a much more complete team to win, which makes it more interesting. Cause then again, I'm not watching like teams just get blown out by right. other teams that you're like, okay, yeah, this team significantly is better. And you know, it's almost pointless to watch. There's been a couple of shutouts and there have been a couple of really pitcher dominated games, but those were still pretty exciting too, in my opinion. But I, I, I don't know. I think I've had a lot of fun watching everything like happen this year, especially because I felt like I was surprised more than normal. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see if that continues. Um, next, I wanted to talk about, um, Jaden Fields of Georgia. Um, I had a picture of her. Maybe Dylan can bring it up. It's um, that's, that's not Jaden Fields. University. That, the other <laughs> one. <laughs> that's JMU. Yeah. But uh, we can talk about I JMU will... if you want. Okay, you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to say, actually, before we, while he's you know transitioning this, uh, one thing I thought was interesting was is I was watching some of the pitching, man, and it was it was crazy to watch like the like i was it was amazing to watch like the stark change and like speed because mm -hmm. like sometimes you get like uh you'll get in base like you know in nfl you'll get players that uh or nb well major league baseball <laughs> yeah. you'll, get, you'll get pitchers that can throw like you know 90 something else sure. hour and then their change-ups are like in the high 80s or something so it's really not like a huge difference but i was watching like a couple pitches from um i think it was sander cock and she I think it was one pitch that she threw that was like a 73 miles per hour. And then like the next pitch was like a 51 and it had like this nasty like curve on it, which oh, I thought was yeah. crazy. I yeah. was like, man, that, is, that like cannot And it's be at a shorter easy. distance. So you have yeah. to think about 70 miles an hour coming at you and you're that close. It's what is it? 30 something feet. I never pitched, so I don't yeah, exactly I, know, but <laughs> it's, it's a lot closer than a pitching mound. Definitely. Well, And then, like I said, to like have the stark change where suddenly there's like noticeable movement on the ball and it's 20 miles per hour slower is mm -hmm. crazy for like timing and hitting and everything mm -hmm. like that. So that was something I thought was interesting and crazy when I was watching and something uh, I picked yeah. up on, but I'll talk know, about I'll talk about pitching a little bit later, but here we finally mm -hmm. have up um, the picture that I was going to reference here. It's Jaden Fields. Um, she played for Georgia. She plays for Georgia. Um, and this is Justin Fields' younger sister. So got your jersey on. I wanted to make sure we referenced that tonight. Um, she's 
She just finished her redshirt sophomore season, so she'll be a redshirt junior next year. Um, probably coming back to Georgia. There's not a ton of transfers in softball unless there's a coaching change, but um, probably coming back for Georgia next year. Um, but the big news about her is that she was sitting the bench for a while. I believe it was the last nine games. Um, they had they had uh, chosen a, a senior over her to play, which... Sometimes they're more developed. Sometimes they're more ready to go. But they brought her back in their super regional game. And Mm -hmm. she really pushed them through. She hit home runs in consecutive games. And and it was just like a game changer. She is basically the reason they made it into the tournament, into the World Series portion. Um, They did end up losing, I think, to both Oklahomas. I'm not sure. I know at least one of the Oklahomas. But they have this picture it's a tweet that we had shared um it's justin mm-hmm. Fields supporting his sister so wanted to make sure we talked about that um yeah, I, was, yeah. I was gonna say because the other thing too is, is i was surprised by is typically like you get like the like the when you get siblings like there's always like the one sibling that's like you know like famous and then they mm-hmm. reference the other sibling and you're like you know they might not be as good or something like that but then like i heard that she was like the basically like you said like the sole reason why mm-hmm. they ended up in even winning and i was like wow it's like I she's was a like, great she, athlete in her own right i was gonna say i was like man i was like what a family it was yeah. like just both successes right and so. like Sure, they both look a little down in this picture, but <laughs> it, it was a good game. That was a better game. Um, and he does have his Chicago Blackhawks hat on, so I don't know if anybody noticed that. He's repping Chicago already. I was going to say, the moment I showed this picture, because I, I actually showed this picture to my dad the moment I did, he was like, oh, he's got a Blackhawks hat on. Yep. I was like, I didn't even notice that, but yeah. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, that's it on Jaden. Uh, the next one that I wanted to talk about was JMU. Um, Here we have a picture of Odyssey Alexander. We will talk about her. Um, But talking about generally, James Madison University was an unseeded team that made it to the semis of the championship. When before this year, unseeded teams. Watch, you know, watching it, you could just tell like some of the pictures like it's it's a little like i was funny because like the strike zone i was like man the strike zone's tight in that one um so that's crazy to me that she was not only that accurate mm-hmm. but that like durable and that like obviously production's there considering yeah. era so low like that's crazy to me wow just yeah that's that's that blows my mind honestly i can't even like fathom that so i think we might have lost our picture of her but that's okay um that's right. <laughs> um she did receive a standing ovation when she left. Um, they finally put in relief for her um, from JMU and Oklahoma fans when she left the final game. It was the last game of her career. She was super emotional. I was almost emotional. It was like it was really cool to see, um, especially because the tournament is played in Oklahoma, and so Oklahoma University is basically at home. They're not too far from Norman, which is where they normally play. So Oklahoma City is like, you have a lot of Oklahoma fans, which is super intimidating. And she came in, she pitched her heart out. And just that that last game, she finally gave out. Like, they did lose two, which, because it's double elimination. But that last game it was just she was so tired you could tell she had been pitching for like three weeks straight and she just needed a freaking break and 
I don't know. The hitting was there for Oklahoma. They they do come through. Oklahoma is a fantastically hitting team. I was going to say that's what I noticed is basically like reading up on them and everything. It was like, yeah, they're just a powerhouse that you can't mm-hmm. like hold back for too long. But yeah, I do remember actually seeing that on Twitter and now putting some kind of context into mm-hmm. that. That makes a lot of sense why it was like everybody getting as emotional as they were. This tournament has been so popular on Twitter. Like if you go on Twitter, you want to read anything about softball. It is there. I, I've been following on Twitter way more than I normally would have. And it's been great just to see the commentary that has been online and that people are actually watching it. So I've seen that and I thought, this is great. Thank you, Twitter. Yeah. That's what I was saying too. I was like, I, that's what I meant by like the popularity. Like mm-hmm. I just saw this year, I saw it way more on social media. Oh, definitely. And that's like, I saw videos like of her that I didn't even know what, like I didn't know what was happening, but I mm-hmm. saw the video and then that's what sparked me to actually watch it and go, Oh, it's on TV. Like, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't even know it was on. And then I like go and turn it on. Cause obviously being one of those people that just like, you know, I'd, you know, it's again, you know, I'll, I'll accept the fact that I'm a, I'm a guy and just haven't known about the, you know, the fact that the college world series exists, mm-hmm. um, as much or like as when it does, like when it's on. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it was kind of crazy to see that all over social media. And then I, like I said, I was getting interested in it cause I was seeing the clips and the videos. And so it's actually really cool that they're getting a lot more reach on social media. Cause it is, it was uh, highly entertaining when I watched the games and it's just one of those where I don't think people honestly just know too much about it to be able to. So, yeah. Um, well, that's all I have on JFMU. Um, just that they they really did bring a lot of heart into the game, and it was really fun to watch. Their third baseman, um, I believe her name's Lindsay Meeks, but she's like 4'11". She played her freaking heart out. She's out dancing to the crowd. It was so fun. It was a good time to watch them. I was really heartbroken when they lost. I, I would have rooted for that team. I would always root for an underdog, but I was very proud of these people that I do not know to see them put everything they had into this game. So it was really awesome to watch. I was going to say, and that, that helps a lot when you, like even just to make the appearance and everything it's going to help that school out and oh, everything yeah. like that and recruiting and everything and popularity and yeah. putting them on the map but yeah it's always awesome to see like somebody who's like you know an, a heavy underdog or something right. like that come out of nowhere and uh, again you know kind of the stars born kind of thing uh-huh. with her and her production so yeah all right so the next picture i have here i believe is florida state Yes, Florida State. This is after they had a 4-2 to win over Oklahoma State. But there was a really dramatic um, turn to this, was that their game ended at 2.30 a.m. 2.30 a.m. Because they had a weather delay. Um, It was Mm -hmm. Saturday afternoon. There was a weather delay. um, And it pushed the two later games back. So they, I don't remember, I think the game was supposed to start at 9.30 Eastern, which would have been 8.30 Central for here. Um, But I don't know what time it actually started, probably about midnight. I I can't believe they started a game at midnight, but they do have a schedule to stick to. And a lot of the games have been played on ESPN or ESPN2, and there's a lot of programming that goes into that. So Mm -hmm. just thinking about that game, it was, it was insane. Um, they had like a big thing online that I had seen where they were calling for no more midnight games from a lot of the coaches. And I mean, 
you're playing you're playing from noon to midnight at that point and midnight to 2:30 and it's just it's crazy because those days they do play two games in a day. They will play two full games in a day. That I don't you don't see it a lot um with college baseball but it happens every once in a while. But like these girls were out there they're playing hard, they're playing in the rain, they're playing in the heat. Oklahoma is hot. Oklahoma is really hot and then they have to play a game that starts at midnight and then come back and play the next game probably at noon. So it's it's a lot to put on these these women, you know. Uh, but this eventually led to the tournament being lengthened for a day because the next day they had a rain delay as well. So instead of starting a game at midnight, they had they ended up like changing their schedule, which was nice then. But now because of the World Series needing a game three, game three starts at 2 p.m. Central tomorrow, which sucks. Like oh, they got yeah, prime time. They got prime time for the first two games. And now game three, they're at crap time but i don't know what else is on of like basketball or what other baseball games are on so there's probably something else they would have been like competing with for a time slot but if you're there tomorrow 2 p.m we can watch that world series game and support our softball teams um the next topic we have here is alabama pitcher montana fouts yes this is what i this is this is something that shocked me because i heard that this happen mm -hmm. and then i was like why is this not talked about mm -hmm. more and i know i know it's obviously like i'm not gonna you know turn a blind eye to the fact that it's you know women's softball mm -hmm. and so of course that's gonna be some bias there and why mm -hmm. but i saw this and i was like that's insane it was like mm -hmm. the the clutch the like just the pressure and everything like that and then to do that as a team that's not also like heavily favored is mm -hmm. crazy to me so that's why i just saw this and i was like I, this is we got to talk about this because this yeah. is amazing so this is pitcher from alabama montana fouts um she threw the fifth ever perfect game in the women's college world series um, little side note here, it was against UCLA. UCLA has multiple Olympians on the team and Maya Brady, who is the niece of Tom Brady, which you might have heard about. It's been in social media a little bit. Um, Tom Brady yeah. called her like the best athlete in the family or something like that. But to I think, think about I know who he is. Yeah, oh yeah. Who who yeah. Is, who is he? Um yes. So uh yeah, they have a great team. UCLA, they have Olympians in Maya Brady, who is fantastic athlete in her own right but she still threw a perfect game against this wonderful sounding team um it was her 21st birthday which is so awesome um she threw 14 of the 21 outs as strikeouts so there were some like ground nice. outs there were some fly outs but um yeah. at her peak she had seven strikeouts in a row that's insane i uh -huh. mean that's like that's I, I just the, like oh God, man. Watching like even watching a little bit, like I couldn't when I heard that this was a thing. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's crazy. I, I don't know why this is talked about. Mm -hmm. And then I watched like the actual World Series game and was like, how did this woman even like? I don't even know how you hold up for all those innings, mm -hmm. let alone like have one blooper because like obviously the way that the infield is and everything like that. Wait. It's so. Like it's smaller, so it's mm -hmm. quicker. Yeah. So like the fact that the infield didn't even have like a blooper that came snuck yep. through, yep. or the outfield didn't have a ball that dropped. Like it's just it's insane the way that the like it's an incredible achievement, and it's like I amazing that it wasn't. Obviously, it sucks that it's not talked about as much, but it's still an incredible achievement that I was like I can't believe that that actually happened. Well, something wild too, like you said, like there there weren't any bloopers, there weren't any like even in the infield or the outfield. UCLA didn't hit the ball out of the infield until the fifth inning. 
They play seven innings. So they didn't hit the ball out of the infield until the fifth inning. So she held up. She pushed it hard. She pitched a fantastic game. There's some really like cute pictures out there of them like celebrating and she looks a little wild, but like it was her 21st birthday. She had a great time. And there's an interview out there too, where she's like, yeah, I wasn't thinking about throwing this kind of game. I just had to keep pushing, keep throwing for strikeouts and look at where that takes you. Yeah. I mean, just God, like everything that goes into a perfect game in general, any, in any facet or level of baseball. And then to think about it happening in a level where basically you're talking playoffs. So you're talking Mm -hmm. playoff scenario where, you know, UCLA is not a bet. It's not like Mm -hmm. she threw a perfect game against like the worst team in college. Mm -hmm. You know, she threw it against a team that was very deserving of the spot that they were in. Mm -hmm. And so that's even crazier. And then to be in an elimination type setting and then it's just the 21st birthday i just Mm -hmm. it's literally everything compiles into i don't know how she did this and it's Mm -hmm. incredible yeah and i think she kind of feels the same way like i don't know how i did this but it feels good yeah but anyway i'm sorry go ahead no 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 i just i just like i said it's just one of those where i just every time i think about it i just like i don't know how this happened i just i really cannot fathom how like crazy just Again, I just, I just everything, just everything going into it. Literally, like the fact that it's her twenty first birthday, she's mm-hmm. probably hyped from the morning on to that, and then you have to like calm yourself and pitch the pay that she pitched, and the fact that they didn't even hit the ball outside, you know, outside the mm-hmm. infield until the fifth inning. Like it's just everything about that is just incredible and just wild to me. So, but yeah, that's that's what I had to say. I just yeah. shocking. Very deservedly, she was the SEC pitcher of the year, and then she ended up getting the tournament MVP as well. So. She really, really crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to move forward a little bit more Alabama, but here we have Florida State. Um, Florida State in the next round after Alabama played UCLA, Florida State and Alabama um, had had to win two. So Florida State had to beat Alabama two times because Alabama hadn't lost yet. So okay. it's it's a wild tournament where there is a loser's bracket and you can fight your way back. It's incredible. So it was, I think it was the third, second round, second round. Yes. Mm-hmm. So second round, we have Florida State and Alabama. Florida State had to beat two times Alabama. So here we had Florida State come back from the loser's bracket, beat Alabama, um, to advance on to the championship game. Wow. And this is like, I I think the stats are, they are up, yes. So it was a big hitting game for Florida State. It was like huge because they hadn't been hitting like that. They finally came out of something. Like they were in a little bit of a funk there and they were playing small ball most of the tournament, like uh, bunting, slapping, like moving quickly, a lot of hit and runs, which you don't see a ton of in baseball compared to softball. Softball will do the hit and run a lot. Um, I wanted to give a little shout out to uh, Danny Morgan, who I briefly played softball with in high school. She is the center fielder for Florida State. I also oversaw her in our writing center when I was the lead tutor. But anyway, she hit two for three and scored both of FSU's run and their um, two to nothing win over to help eliminate Alabama. Um, Like I said, Florida State was playing like smaller ball where they were just using movement. Um, 
And they finally got runners on the bases and they were just able to move them, which was great to see how that can be just as effective as like power hitting because they were so aggressive on the base paths. Um, A lot of stealing and like I said, hit and run situations. So it's a different style of play. There are a few different ways softball can be played, which is really interesting. A lot of times you will either see um, like a bigger team that will hit a lot of bombs or you will see a smaller team that will bunt, slap, steal, and just kind of play in a quick game. So I don't know how familiar familiar you are with slapping, but it is the left side. Um, it's kind of a footing movement, and then they do like a bunt or a bunt hit on the run. So okay. from the left-sided batter box, you're about three feet closer to the base. So they take yeah. that moving and then they run the ball out. And it's super effective because the base paths are short enough to get on base. I was going to say, not to sound, not to sound funny, but that's uh, the, for an example, for people that maybe aren't, don't know what you're talking about, I'm assuming it's kind of like Ichiro. I don't know if you remember that baseball player, Ichiro, where he used to do the like running out of the box oh, as yeah, he was yeah. hitting it kind of thing. Keep his feet like moving. That kind of, yeah, that kind uh, of style is what I'm assuming, yeah, like yeah. what I'm imagining in my head, basically. Kind of like that. Um, they do have to keep their feet in the box, unless, and if they don't, then it's a called out. But other than that, like it's it's a quick movement. Um, you do see a lot of it's slappers um, place the ball onto like left field, like right behind the shortstop. They try not to hit it on the ground unless there's like a runner on a lot of the time, um, because if they're putting it down on the ground, they're like, oh, that's okay if this is an out. Like we're just trying to move the runner. Um, you see a lot of that, but that's what Florida State was playing for a little bit. They do a lot more bunting than slapping. I'm not sure how many lefties they have on their team, but they did a lot of bunting. They did a lot of like short little base hits rather than the big hitting um, until they met Oklahoma, which is the stat that we're looking up at here for the next round. Um, this was, I believe it was yesterday's game. Um these are the stats of last night's game. I prepped this before they played tonight, so I don't have the stats from tonight. But this was FSU Oklahoma game one. Um, it was on June 8th. Florida State won eight to four. Um, that's big hitting compared to how they were hitting. So it, it was a big movement up for them. They kind of came out of it. Um, I was listening to Sports Center. I think it was yesterday before the game, um, a commentator said that they see Florida State as a good team, but that they just don't have the talent of Oklahoma. And I was like, I can't believe that. Like, I completely disagree with the athleticism and the speed and the heart that Florida State was showing by playing like through this big hit drought and using the small movements of the ball to like move forward rather than Oklahoma that has been hitting huge all year it, it was just like it's two different types of style of play and to say that like one is more talented than the other it really really got me fired up I thought it was more impressive that Florida State can bounce back when the hitting wasn't always there yeah well and the other thing too is is like it's with every sport there's always different styles of play and mm -hmm. it's you live and die by your style and you know it's like yeah for them to say like you know the hitters of oklahoma is too much for any team let alone you know florida state and playing smaller mm -hmm. uh it's it's ridiculous because i mean you saw in the first game where basically oklahoma just never could get it going hitting wise and you know while florida state did so it's like one of those where it's 
you can live and die by whatever you mm -hmm. you know strategy you have but at the end of the day if it if you're not hitting the ball then that's not the, you know mm -hmm. then you're you're going to struggle and if that's your strength is hitting you know hitting the ball deep and getting a lot of you know power and stuff like that then yeah it's that's and then you saw in game 2 where then that kind of switched mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit about that but yeah mm -hmm. so it's it's funny to see that where you don't really like people don't understand that like different strategies can work in different ways. And in, if your strategy is not going to, your strategy is not going to work every single day. And that's, that's all it takes. I mean, that's, you know, that's why we're in game three of the world series now. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this this morning. Um, I said that with the momentum and big hits of yesterday, I foresee Florida, Florida state taking the championship. So this was before I watched today's game and I had written also, however, I would love to see Oklahoma take game two, game two, and then see a high stakes game three, which is what we're about to get. Um, yeah. I do have a little like recap of, uh, game two that happened today um and then i will answer this question with the series now being tied with who i have and why um we have here i think i i, I have a picture of it but we'll see if we get there um i have a picture of g juarez who pitched for oklahoma today she mm -hmm. is a freaking beast you put her on that mound i would be scared she had like a killer arm injury. I think she played at Arizona State before transferring um, to Oklahoma. And mm -hmm. she had like something in her arm where she was like, I heard it pop. And they weren't sure oh. she'd ever pitch again. And she's out here pitching again. Um, this is Oklahoma. I, G. Juarez was in the picture, but it's okay. Um, she is a lefty. She only has one loss on the season. Um, she, like I said, absolute beast, but the craziness is that she'll go from pitching high speed to like off speed pitches that are maybe 20 miles an hour slower, which is, and on top yeah. of that, she throws an off speed rise ball, which insane. So softball will, you'll see like a rise ball. You'll see a rise ball. It's usually top speed. Your high velocity, usually you get a high pitch. But she throws a changeup that also rises. Can you imagine having to adjust to having something like 10, 15 miles per hour slower and also coming up? That's too much. You can't hit that. Yeah, I was going to say that's like it's because that's also that's like an incredible amount of control just in in order for mm -hmm. you to release because it's all about the release point and when you're releasing then at that point. Mm -hmm. And so like the amount of control that she has to do that. Yeah, it's. Like that's that's incredible to think like because I mean it's just you just catch you off guard every single pitch because you don't know if it's gonna come mm -hmm. in low and fast or high and fast or if it's gonna come in low and slow and high and slow in this case so like and being able to change that up get momentum on the ball yeah it's I can't imagine as a hitter in that situation having to just adjust on the fly like that to literally any pitch that could come in any direction at any speed. Mm -hmm. So now we have a picture of G. She's got the the magic glasses out there, but um, she pitched a good game. Great game. Um, the only thing was is that in the first inning, Elizabeth Mason for Florida State hit a two-run homer, and that just kind of set the pace of the game. Um, it seemed like Florida State was going to take ahead and stay ahead. Um, that was not the case. Um, Catherine Sandercock had the start for Florida State. She was a red, redshirt sophomore. She was 27-3 and three so far for the season. Now she is 27-4. and four. Um, 
There was a solo home run by Johns of Oklahoma off Sander Cock. It was a high pitch taken out to left field. It was the 158th home run for Oklahoma this year. That tied the record for <laughs> the most insane. a team has had in a year. I believe Hawaii might have been the team that had the record, but I'm not positive. Um, Oklahoma took the lead. It was then 3-2 to two in the top of the sixth. There was a two-run homer from Jocelyn Allo. Um, that was the 159th team home run of the year, and that took the record. Um, yep. That was really, like, it was huge. It was, like, the third time through the order that Oklahoma definitely made the adjustments that they needed to. Um, we saw Arnold come in for Florida State, um, but the Sooners hit off of her too so the they increased the score five to two in the sixth um there were no outs and it was top of the seventh then after that oklahoma still teeing off six to two um <laughs> another pitching change brought in florida state's emma watson or i'm sorry emma wilson not emma watson um she had never seen a postseason game before um she hadn't Oof. even pitched since may 8th so thinking about how many games that these women have played in the past two weeks she hadn't even seen an inning since may 8th um that's a that's a raw situation to be in oh yeah definitely so g juarez who we see celebrating here um she closed out the game for oklahoma um she pitched a good one she pitched a winner um she was tired by the end you could tell i don't know what else oklahoma has in their pitching staff but like we saw earlier from james madison um they will pitch two days in a row, two games in a row, three games in a row against the same team and still win. So I don't know if they'll bring her out again. I'm not sure what else they have in their staff, but we'll see. Um, game three is tomorrow. Um, Oklahoma has avenged every loss that they've had this year with two wins. I was going to say, I did see that stat and that was like, I was like, oh man, yeah. throwing it. Whenever ESPN does that and they throw up a stat like mm -hmm. that, I'm like, mm, that doesn't, that's, it's almost like a omen now that it's got to come true. And that's, I saw that and I was like, man, that's not looking good for Florida state. Right. So going back to our chatters question, um, who do I have? I have that personal connection to Florida state. I would love to see them win. I keep up with Danny online. I don't talk to her very often, but, um, just I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on what she's doing. And so that's my personal connection. I liked her when I knew her. Um, she's a good person. I would like to see Florida State win as she is in her fifth year and doesn't really have a shot again. So that would, I think that would feel nice in my heart. However, Florida State won it two years ago or two championships ago at least. Yeah. Um, and... I don't know. I, I feel like I don't like Oklahoma just because it's almost like they get to play at home every year when they do make the tournament. So I think I would prefer to see Florida State win. Um, that's who I want to win. I think that if Oklahoma comes out hitting like they have been, that it will be Oklahoma. I think there is a good chance that we see Oklahoma as our championship winners tomorrow. Um, anyway, Game three is tomorrow. It's at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Give it a watch. You know now, right? You know what you yeah. know, and it's a good game. I would keep up with it if you can. Yeah, I was going to say, I will definitely try as hard as I can to tune in, you know, with work and everything, mm -hmm. but I, that is kind of a raw deal for them to get like a, you know, kind of a non, 
prime time for especially for a game three and an yeah. awesome you know end of the sequence of the tournament and everything so that kind of sucks but yes i'm i'm definitely going to be paying attention to it especially because at this point you almost you've seen the path Florida state needs to win you saw the path that Oklahoma needs to win in the second game. So it's almost like a, which one's going to win out mm-hmm. or which one's going to find it or, you know, come on. And I think it's one of those where almost it sets the tone, the first probably two innings uh, for the rest of the game, because, you know, if you're, if Oklahoma's not hitting well, then, you know, I would assume that Florida state's probably going to come out on top. But if you start seeing Oklahoma in the first two innings, putting up runs and hitting well, then I think that that's probably going to spell Oklahoma's path to winning. So it's, it's interesting. And I definitely will be, intrigued from start to finish to actually see yeah with what you said like it depends on how oklahoma's hitting which depends on how florida state is pitching and they went through three pitchers tonight so who knows who they'll see tomorrow who knows what's going to happen i think they saved their other pitcher i don't know her name but they not her (laughs) the one who hadn't seen game time since may 8th i think she was just kind of a okay let's see what we can do but they i think they do have like another ace so we'll see if that happens tomorrow if she comes out if she performs it'll be a game for sure um i really do encourage everybody who sees this to watch because it'll be worth it yeah (laughs) like i said it's definitely it was it was a lot more exciting than i ever knew mm-hmm. it could be and it's also like you said it's something that you don't see in even other sports where for example like a uh you know in baseball you don't see strategy being like a thing like it's more so just you know mm-hmm. who can hit better or who, who's the better team whereas like it's enjoyable to be able to watch a sport where you know not only can a team get there based on just you know size and strength but the team can also get there based on running you know a quicker you know more strategic type of play yeah. you know or rely on pitching versus relying on hitting you know it's it's just fun to see that kind of dynamic in a sport when you don't really see it in others uh so that's that was exciting for me and then also just to watch it is you know it's very fast paced like you said and there's also a lot of like i said the that's why the perfect game blew my mind so much yeah. because it's just watching how fast paced and how hard it is for a pitcher in that scenario it was that was crazy so i'm definitely exciting and it's gonna be fun to watch yeah well that was everything i had i want to extend my gratitude for having me on i hope i taught someone about softball and i hope maybe we'll have a couple more viewers um i i think like after many years of watching not even just the World Series, but also just like watching softball in general. Whenever I see it's on TV, I will click it on. My dream, my absolute dream, my softball dream is to go to the World Series. It is an incredible environment. Like these people are so into the game. They're all cheering. Like, yeah, some people will say, oh, they're doing little cheers, but like, whatever like it's not like they're singing songs they are out there they're cheering for their teammates you see them dancing for the camera you see them having fun and it's a fun game it's not just like we're here for the sport we're here to make money for our school no they're here for their passion they're here for the game and it's awesome to see it and i would love to go if anybody ever wants to go to the women's college world series i will be there someday Listen, maybe one day we'll con- we'll convince the other Dylan and we'll just do- we'll run the podcast from live oh, from yeah. the winter. Oh, we'll yeah. be there. Well, so, thank you, Ranch was- Frosty. Thank you. I will I'll come back whenever there's anything for me out here. I will be on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. But uh, that's 
Thank you for all the education because I definitely did not know nearly enough about the sport. So that was entertaining to be able to actually know what I'm going into when I'm watching it. So, well, thank you for having me. Yep. All right. Well, I guess I'll sit here and uh, fill up the time. It's like I said, what I just to kind of recap everything. And I know I kind of talked about it before and everything, but I, I, man, like just the sport itself was just fun to watch because it was just so different. It's it's like watching, you know, every, uh, you know, when you're watching like, you know, basketball and then you like suddenly randomly flip on like, you know, golf or something or like or look, you know, a lacrosse competition or something. And you just. Like it catches you where you just go like, man, this is actually like, I need to watch more of this. It's entertaining. And I hope to next world series know a lot more going into it and actually know like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm paying attention to. And then not only that, but to also like, just understand how difficult it is and everything and appreciate the achievements that are going into it and all. It's a lot of fun and entertaining and uh, something new that we just learned a ton about and i now i'm like actually hyped for the game three tomorrow it's i'm really actually disappointed that it's not going to be on like a prime time uh scheduled you know event or anything you know but of course this is some you know uh, like i said we're not ignoring the fact that it is women's softball so of course there's always going to be issues with that and everything and the lack of coverage but uh i was actually very happy with the fact that there was a lot more coverage going on um this year and everything so that was uh that was great thank you tessa and i think now we can welcome dylan back on the podcast uh as well as transition Uh. quickly into our next topic which actually before we do that you you have any thoughts on everything that was just said because i know you kind of weren't able to actually even give your two cents um yeah i was i that's how i was saying to uh tessa i was saying i was just going to leave her on here to do it instead because she's going along with it much better than i would anyways and had a lot more information to actually provide so um i'm back to the dismay of everybody else watching but uh, I, I I enjoyed that quite a bit, even though I was uh, trying to make sure things weren't going to blow up in the background. And we only had a crash once, so it was really good. But I also learned a lot that I did not know, and the test doesn't even doesn't even get the opportunity to go through as much because I don't understand what she's saying about softball. But now I do a little bit more, and have a little bit more insight into some of the terms and everything. So that's fun. You, I've been watching the tournament anyways, and I'm going to continue to watch it with her as well. And I'm glad we get one more game post all of this to still follow Mm -hmm. up with instead of just being like aftermath and everything. So um, definitely want to make sure to get all this, uh, well, at least get that one softball video up uh, for tomorrow and get people hyped to watch that. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad it came in between a series instead of afterwards or before or anything because you're right in the thick of it. So I had a good time listening as well. Yep. Yep. So. And we'll have her back on. Yes, we will as well. (laughs) We can even recap the last game when that comes back. That goes by too. That was our, a bit of, that was our first trial for having a guest segment or a guest thing on. So they're gonna have a little bit of transitions and everything and working on that part. So that was yeah. uh, that was scraped together in the last couple of minutes because everything is always done live. There's very little done <laughs> in pre-production. Yeah. It's pretty much all done on the face of uh, what you're seeing. So yeah, it, yeah. it's always fun. Yeah, as I say, what we have prepped is basically the topics, the pictures, and 
the rest is just let's roll with it let's go and that's you know this is what we're going for dylan is the authenticity of it you know it's the realism it's the we're here <laughs> to fail or to succeed for you yep and we're getting better every week and learning something new every day so it uh it's a fun learning experience it keeps it keep what i do like about this at a very uh at a very surface level thing is a lot of the stuff i wouldn't come back to and spend the time on i wouldn't get the opportunities to test on myself because streaming on your own isn't as fun and it's harder to do but yeah. doing this every week gives me a reason to keep on coming back to looking up these topics trying to look more into the technicalities behind it and making these slight improvements uh day by day, week by week and whatever. So it's a good learning thing. It's like its own little side course for me to go along with as well. So I like that part of it a lot. Yeah, I was going to say it's fun. It's it's interesting because if I like, man, if we went back to even just like the first podcast that we did, the amount of like just like scary like pauses that we had where neither of us just like yep. didn't know like no, 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 you, you talk, no, 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 I'll talk, no, no, you know, you talk, no, no, like, Dylan, yeah. no, no, you should talk, like, a, like, just the amount of, like, transitions, the actual flow and everything is so different, I mean, the podcast itself is basically unrecognizable from what it looked like at the <laughs> beginning to what it is now, like, the fact that we're able to pull photos and everything uh, without, without actually showing you the Google <laughs> window of us searching this stuff live. Yeah, it was super oh, scuffed yeah. in the beginning, but it had really good roots for the start of it as well actually yeah, putting mean, it together listen <laughs> this all started because i just said to dylan one day we should make a podcast and then it was one of those where we kind of like we were like yeah we probably could and then at one point it was like no let's actually just do that today and then <laughs> tonight <here we> are. <laughs> like, yeah literally literally post like post drinking with all of our friends on our zoom parties just suddenly we're just like yeah, let's. We're both really drunk. Let's just start a podcast and start talking. <laughs> I was like, and, I know uh, how to do the basic parts of it, and it's like, let's pull up some pull up some uh, Mac Jones footage and just go uh, go ahead and watch and review that. Why not? Yeah, I mean, the, the greatest part I think too about the beginnings of us is the fact that my first three, I think the first three podcasts, I had a microphone but didn't <laughs> know that I was. using i wasn't using it for the actual podcast and instead it was the audio was picking up was from my computer and i was so that yep. that kills me like to even think about the fact that like i had this literal mic just sitting here that was actually like you know supposed to pick up audio just it not, looked it just looked good not even capturing yeah yeah i had the, the aesthetic you know is like it it looks legit, but it sounds like crap. And it's like, yeah, I sound like <laughs> crap because I'm talking to a laptop that's like, th you know, a foot away from me. So I just, that made me laugh when I realized I'm like, I wonder why Dylan sounds clearer and louder than me. Maybe it's because I'm an idiot, which is always, I mean, that's usually the reason. So sure. Uh, that's just, uh, I, yeah, that was great. So this is the humble beginnings coming to the learning process. It's been a lot of fun, even editing and stuff like that. It's been fun to learn and everything. And, uh you know coming up with titles and now we're starting to actually get thumbnails going which is just crazy you know learning even those it's just a lot of fun to actually do this and go through all the stuff and then you again we learn like you know both of us enjoy sports and we both uh are learning just new stuff as we go and then being able to actually have an avenue where we can like 
I don't know, just express our thoughts to an audience and it's fun and enjoyable. And obviously we hope it continues to grow. And like we said, in the future, we've talked a lot about like gaming stuff that we might do in the future too and other things. So plenty of stuff that's going to happen and plenty of stuff that's going to come. It's just a learning process and we're just, we're still going as we go. Hashtag better every day. And also, um, I don't know if you saw on the side though, but also you have 28 subscribers. I would like to do a thanks for 30 type of thing but uh it's currently at 28 and it's been going up uh, even in the past week post everything else so that's always cool to see um also if you're looking at analytics and stuff we are over 2.1 thousand views in the past 28 days and some of the videos that again we never really thought were going to gain traction continue to get like a couple hundred views a day which is kind of crazy to um think about but yeah, it's always cool to see that stuff, and I enjoy the analytics side of it quite a bit, and it gives you a lot to look at. It's very fun. Tessa enjoys mm-hmm. analytics herself, uh, herself. She always comes over and is like, so what happened? Like, did you? Can I, can I see the graphs and stuff and like see all the analytics on the side? So, yeah, yeah that, it, that part's fun, too. It's so much fun to see all that stuff, and like, again, we're just, you know, we're very new to this, and like, podcasts you know take time to take off and like you learn and you have to develop your own like groove and like how we do it and everything and your own identity and stuff so it's it's just fun because it's just like it's not you know our main you know we're we're doing this just because we actually enjoy doing it and so that's the fun part about it and then being able to actually just talk sports and like go through topics and like give our two cents and like i said just having like an actual avenue to be able to talk and then people enjoy that avenue which is great and so that's you know it's fun to keep learning and developing and like i said we hope we have a lot of stuff that we want to do in the future so that'll be coming as well so and to get to converse with the wonderful youtube comment community (laughs) with those ones to come up (laughs) oh man yeah to be fair i I think we've eclipsed more positive comments than negative at this point which is always impressive 100 percent. it's just sometimes there's you get those comments that are like Yep, and this this is this is you know we knew this was gonna come going in. It's like this is gonna be a comment. The chud takes like we that. like to call those. Yeah. Those are the total chuds. Like, <laughs> yeah, and we're we're trying to like address them so that way there's like fan, actual fan interaction because a lot of times in social media and YouTube and everything and podcasts, there's a lot of times where there's like you can just drop a comment and maybe they read it, maybe they don't, but you just drop the comment and then leave where it's one of those where like we've tried to like address it with like an actual conversation rather than just you know a straight up just like a Bam. your comment sucks because you're wrong <laughs> like that kind of crap you know yeah so it's actually it's, it's been enjoyable to do that and see like the interactions and stuff and like go back and forth with people is always fun and that's like what i enjoy too out of it is like being able to interact with people so and that's you know and that's part of the reason why we you know have the chat live because as we get more and more people we you know being able to see the chat and being able to actually like answer questions or interact and like you know live on the spot is a lot more fun i think than just like us just talking straight to the camera and doing nothing you know so it's it's uh, it's a lot nicer that way and that's fun and like i said hope we continue we're going to continue getting better and continue growing and continue going through new topics and in terms of talking and inter- interacting with people uh, the Floyd Mayweather fight was a great chance to interact with people and also get um, different opinions on things. Um, you could walk us through the logistics of it and basically what happened, if you would like, and your take on it first. Flip yeah. your notepad. <laughs> God, yeah, I flip over the pad. Uh, it's Man, it was just one of those where I just go... like I We all knew, like going into this, everybody in the world had to know 
Okay, Mayweather is known for like outlasting opponents, the shoulder roll, you know, the um conditioning that he brings is is just another level. It's on you know, on otherworldly. And yeah. so you're just going like, okay, how long basically this fight is how long is Mayweather gonna let this fight go? And it was funny because I saw a clip and I know that we don't have it and we're not gonna have it. That's okay, I'll just talk about it. I saw a clip where uh basically Mayweather like reacted and dodged a punch and then immediately struck with a right. And I swear to God, he knocked out low. I swear to God, he knocked them out. And then like Mayweather <laughs> caught him and like held them. And then like Paul, like Logan or what, which brother was it? Logan Paul, right? Yeah. Logan. Uh, yeah. Logan like came to, and then like they continued the fight. That's what chat is like, saying too. fake fight. Floyd knocked him out and helped them up. Or held them up. I was gonna say I watched that clip and I was like, man, this is really just like a Floyd is toying with them. How long can we keep this fight going? And it's hilarious to hear, like, because that's the other thing too is like on this podcast, I'm gonna tell you just straight up like how it is, how I think it saw it and everything. That's why I'm like, listen, we we saw that knockout, we saw it straight up go. <laughs> it is hilarious watching sports like people talk about it in like the media and be like. Like, I remember, I think I heard, like, I think it was, like, Skip Bayless, which always, of course, course. Skip Bayless, just going to say something stupid. I saw Skip Bayless say something like, oh, this this hurts uh, Mayweather's legacy, the fact that Paul lasted. I'm like, do you really think, like, like, do you really think that Mayweather, like, lost a step and that's why Logan Paul was able to go the distance? Or, (laughs) or maybe, just maybe, do you think that Mayweather wanted to put on a good fight and let him last that long? Yeah. It's just, it's one of those where I just, like, watching the fight, I'm like, listen, it was like, I didn't watch the actual fight live, but, like, I saw, like, all of the highlights and I watched, like, you know, a good chunk of it. And it's one of those where, like, not only was it a hugging affair to, like, keep Logan Paul to make him go the distance, but, uh, it's just, it was, like I said, it was, I knew going into it, you know, what to expect, which was basically, okay, how long is Mayweather going to let this go on? And then there was also the possibility of, well, if they want to do more of these fights in the future, Logan Paul has to seem pretty legit, which means Mayweather's got to let him seem legit. Mayweather could have knocked him out in the first round if he wanted to. Let's, let's all just be straight <laughs> up honest that Mayweather actually was trying and was like, hey, this is a fight I'm going to win. He would have knocked him out in the first round and it would have been over. And then we would have been like, yeah, this is why celebrities can't just be like, hey, I'm going to box. So well, and you saw his pick, comments you know, about uh, like Mayweather was talking about like he didn't really care about legacy when everyone was like, oh, what's this going to mean for your legacy? And he was like, he basically yep. said like legacy wasn't going to pay the bills, some version of that or whatever it was. And yeah, pretty much this, just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like, this is like a this is like a really, really generic poor version of the McGregor fight. Because the McGregor yeah. fight, at least like at least McGregor was like an all-class, you know, ridiculous UFC fighter. So and he had boxing experience. So him jumping in the ring with Mayweather had a little bit more like, you know, f- understanding that like this is more of a legit fight than, you know, um you may have thought. But then Logan Paul, it's like Dude, this guy, like, what would he knock? Didn't he knock out Nate Robinson? Or what was the. What was I think Logan it was Paul's Nate. Like? Oh, Nate. Was it? No, I, think, I it was. think it was Jake Paul. I don't know. Oh, they're, my God. They're, they're both, both boxing, right? Yeah, they oh, both are boxing. Jake oh. Paul's trying to get knocked out by some UFC fighter, too. I just, I can't. Like, it's just so stupid. The whole thing's dumb. And I, I understand that it's basically, it's entertainment. It's literally entertainment. They know that. I mean, my favorite quote of the entire thing was, uh, 
basically Mayweather saying that he is the best at uh, legal bank robbing. And <laughs> I was like, that's an incredible quote and is 100% the truth. And I understand that that's the case, but I just, my thing was listening to all of the announcers and all of the sports media tried to make it seem like the fight was like, wow, I can't believe Paul <laughs> lasted that long. That's crazy. He's, he's, you got to take him seriously. And I'm like, no, I don't. I was like, I watched this dude get knocked out like two or three times in this fight. And then Mayweather <laughs> hug him and hold him up and be like, listen, you got to wake up. We got to make money. Come on. <laughs> like, wake up, idiot. Like, yeah. this is, you know, it's just, it's so stupid. I'm just not about that whole concept of like, you know, oh, it's, Logan Paul went the distance. It's like, did he really like in my notes for this? I put, I literally put Logan went distance, but did he like, that was what my notes said. Cause I was like, no, you're going to hate the point that I bring up, but I thought this was funny because on one of the shows that I was watching, they mentioned this, but in technicalities and again, it's an exhibition match. So I understand a lot of that stuff doesn't apply, but apparently what Jake Paul had more, he had, he landed more hits and basically as a result of that and how long they lasted, is that the tiebreaker? Like if you were counting it as a real match? No, I don't think he had, a, I don't think he had more hits. Cause I thought I remember seeing the percentages being like very low for Jake Paul. I think I know he had like more, that might he be right. took more shots. Right. Yeah. That, that actually oh. might be the case or it might be right about that. There was something basic. I guess it was it really just that people were talking about, um, the fact that he lasted basically meant that he won. I mean, that was that was like the sheer like that was what was behind everybody's talk about this fight being legit was the fact that he lasted that long. And I'm like, listen, Mayweather, this is up. It was the fight could last as long as Mayweather wanted. If it was one second, Mayweather would walk up and jack him in the face as hard as he could, and the <laughs> fight would be over. If he wanted the fight to last eight rounds, the fight lasted eight rounds. That's how it goes. Like that's I know it was Mayweather like basically deciding how he was going to do this. Like, I'm not, again, I've said this before. I'm not one of those people that thinks Mayweather is the greatest of all time. I don't. But what I do think is that he's one of the greatest of all time. And because of that, I, it's just, it was, this is not even like a, a blip on his radar as far as fights. And so I just go like, he was basically deciding how this is going to go. That's like watching, going into the fight beforehand. I was like, okay, how long is Mayweather going to make this last? Right. And apparently the whole fight. That's appara apparently, yes, the whole <laughs> fight. Mayweather literally was going to hold him up to make sure he made it. The way I so. described it as it seemed like a massive overcorrect to the last uh, big exhibition fight, which uh, I think it, I'm sorry, was it with Jake Paul? The last one that everyone was all up in a ruckus about. Yeah. Was that the Ben Askren? Yeah. It was Jake Paul over Ben Askren. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Because the Paul brothers literally are the same person to me at the same at this point. But yeah, the same thing with that one where it ended so quickly and so disappointingly. They were like, okay, let's make this last a little bit longer, or else people aren't going to pay the $50 pay per view anymore. And they were just well, like, oh, I let's go all eight rounds. Go ahead. Well, and let's be honest, it probably was predetermined that there was this was going to last as long as it possibly could, if not the whole thing, because basically what they're trying to sell is, well, look, if if Logan can last that long against Mayweather, what could he do against other fighters who are nowhere near as good as Mayweather? You know, that's the conversation yeah. that every sports media is making right now. So that way, you know, we can keep the cash flow and keep the money going and keep making more of these. So. To me, I as you know, as a person, I find it funny and I find it in it's entertainment to the point where I just know that it's what it is. And because I know what it is, I'm fine with that aspect of it. I just don't enjoy the whole listening to the sports media go, man, it, he lasted that <laughs> long. 
wow, what an amazing fighter. And I go, like, come on. Like, really? Like, yeah. do we have to play this song and dance? Like, can we just admit, like, it's it was a joke and let's just enjoy it for the fact that it's more of like i i looked at it as more of a performance like almost wwe like nobody looks at wrestling and goes wow i can't believe you really learned how to wrestle well like nobody looks at that and goes that way everybody goes yeah this is a performance i'm enjoying the performance that's why i've never i'm not one of those people that'll ever shun anybody that enjoys wrestling because i'm like listen i get that you know it's performance and that's fine and you're enjoying the performance that you're watching and they put on a good one and that's why they make a ton of money I just don't like when people start taking this seriously as if it's like a real fight. I'm like, listen, this is it's in the same ballpark. Nobody's arguing that wrestlers in in WWE are legit good wrestlers. Like, you know, if you want to watch a good wrestler, go watch Khabib. That's not, (laughs) you know, we're not talking about that. So the fact that people are like, he went the distance is like, all right, dude, we know it's a performance. Just just call it a performance that you enjoyed the performance and then call it a day. And which shout out to WWE in general because the memes that are produced solely even from the 90s Attitude Era mm-hmm. continue to perpetuate throughout the throughout now throughout social media. There was a meme for every place in WWE, and I think it was just ahead of its time and form in like that sort of form. Because my God, if it was actually live and that level of usage right now, they'd be through oh the God. roof in terms of like social media. It'd be insane. So it, yeah, the WWE is. The WWE, I will never talk badly about. I will never talk badly about, you know, pro wrestling because it's for what it is. They know it's a performance and they put on a damn good one. And that's why people watch and that's why they get millions of dollars. And I'm fine with that. It's not for me, so I don't watch it. But I don't shoot anybody that watches it because I go, listen, I know they put on a good performance. It's just not for me. So you enjoy it and call it what it is, a performance. That's what this fight was. It's a performance. It's not an actual fight. Mayweather didn't, you know, Mayweather didn't meet a match and Logan Paul went the (laughs) distance. Like, no, 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 it was a performance. Mayweather decided like, listen, you're going to end on your feet, whether I have to hold you up or not. And that's the way the fight went. Yeah. And I mean, obviously uh, financially successful. I think they both walked away with, what was it? Did Mayweather get a hundred mil? 20 mil something like that i no i was definitely not 100 mil because that's a bit much especially because the other fight one made like 75 but i guarantee he made in the ballpark of probably 10 to 30 i would assume yeah that is insane i mean it's still i'll take it i mean how much training did mayweather actually have to do for this i mean he knew that mayweather off the couch from retirement would beat logan paul in the first round so the fact that he you know how much training do you really have to do he probably just had to like loosen up so that way he didn't like pull a muscle (laughs) mid-fight that's really what he was probably concerned about he's probably just concerned like i just don't want to pull a hammy mid-fight for like because i hadn't trained so i just want to bring up that number actually while it seems completely ridiculous i think i had seen it it could be as much as 100 million according to screenrant.com um they guarantee or floyd's contract apparently guaranteed 10 million dollar payout plus 50 percent of all ppv um earnings and Floyd estimated that he could set in to bring more than $100 million. It looked like the current numbers are about $4.6 million, $4.3 million um, pay-per-view purchases at $50 okay. a purchase. Um, okay. Somebody else could do the math, but that's not that far off, and that is absolutely insane if he did anywhere close to the ballpark of that. Well, because that's, I mean, if you're actually, if that's real, that's like what? Because, you know, that's, what, $20 million? I think, $20 million yeah. off of pay-per-view? Yeah, yeah, I think so. No, That's... $200 million. 
That's two hundred million dollars off pay per view. Did that? Ah, uh, okay. If that's true, so. Wow, so even Which, the low end is ridiculous. That I, see, to me, that doesn't feel right, though, because I'm pretty sure McGregor and them made... Well, maybe they made more. Oh, but anyways, yeah, it's, I, uh, to me, those numbers right there suggest around 200 to 220 million made in pay-per-view buys, which means that they, he would be at around 100 to 120, which wouldn't Jesus. surprise me because other is not dumb. He's not going to go into a fight. There's a reason why the McGregor-Mayweather fight, he made like 300 million. He's not going to walk into a fight without making enough money to put on the fight. So the man gets the guaranteed on the table. I respect it. That's that's how you should approach well, that. That's because I mean, like, what are you going to say if you're Logan Paul? I mean, if you're Logan Paul, the only reason why this fight matters is because you got Mayweather. So like Mayweather knows that. So like if Logan Paul gets if Mayweather makes 100 million and Logan Paul gets 5 million, Logan Paul got a free 5 million because he oh, yeah. should he never should have gotten that in the first place. So I, if it was me. Like it's if I if somebody was like, hey, we need you to step in the ring with Mayweather um, and just see how far you can go and we'll pay you five million dollars. He's going to get like one hundred and twenty of it. I'd be like, OK, like, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I like I, I wasn't going to make five million before you said that. And now, like, maybe I'll just wake up in the hospital, but I'll wake up in the hospital with five million dollars. So who cares? Yeah, absolutely nuts. So, OK. But- um, I believe this was part of the uh, the learning session, so okay, I want to learn yes. before it, uh, before we move on to anything else, or my brain can be more fried. But I was going to say we need Euro. to get uh, get this going before. So yeah, the 2020 Euro. So I have compiled a little bit of notes on the actual events, and then if you want to actually pull up the article, um, so we're going to learn about this together. If you want to pull up the article that I sent you in the email. Uh, and I don't know how you want to like put that on the screen, but or we can just do it on the side if you want to. I don't know. It's up to you. Yeah. But essentially, we can, the article kind of lays out literally everything about it, so that way we can kind of go through and you know determine uh, what we want to learn. And then I also thought it would be fun because we know nothing at this very moment um, to pick our favorite team to win it all. Okay. And then, however far they go. Whoever's team makes it the furthest uh, or or gets the most points. So if both teams don't make it out of the group, um, then whoever gets the most points win, uh, will force the other person to take a shot of their choosing. Okay. Live I accept on the, next the terms podcast. of this, uh, this agreement then. Uh, this is a fun, this is just a fun little conversation I thought would be great to just pick a team. And we have to disregard information that Danny told us. So we can't pick like France. That's not that's not allowed. Okay. So okay. Well, good for good for you. I don't think I remember anything that Danny said. So this will be very easy for me to forget at this point. To yeah, go through I'm, it. I'm disregarding. I'm throwing everything that he said to us out of our brain. Okay. Uh, which which actually, by the way, I think that's going to be most likely our next guest is going to be probably Danny to bring on live to talk about this and teach us about what is happening and why it's important and why whatever is happening at that moment is crazy. Well, so now he's got a lot to live fun. up to because he'll actually have to prepare notes <laughs> and stuff after uh, Tessa already came on and killed oh, it. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, Tessa came on and acted as if podcasting was something that she does just for, you know, kicks. Yeah. So, and then here we are just trying to, uh, you know, exist and saunter our way through. I think we just spawned the Tessa podcast, which is now like a, a new. <laughs> yeah. Competition, so. creating competition. <laughs> Not the yeah. smartest move for an entrepreneur, but, <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Anyways, 
anyways, this is uh, an article that I felt like we could go through together and learn together. Like, what are the euros and what everything about them? So this kind of goes through everything. So what are what is the euros format, which is where we'll just immediately start out. Um, so you can probably read that better than I can. So you go ahead and read yeah. that for me. What is the Euro 2020 format? It is six groups of four teams that will play one another in the opening round with the first and second place teams in each group advancing to the 16-team knockout round. And the remaining four berths in the round of 16 will go to the four best third-place teams based on standing points. Three points yeah. are awarded for a win, one for a draw, and none for a loss. With tiebreakers involving goals scored and goal differential involved or invoked, enough if necessary. Okay, so right off the bat, I know I know a little bit about groups. I know just of you know very small because I've seen it in uh, the FIFA World Cup when I've watched in the past with the USA. Uh, so I know a little bit about that in the past, which is you know a very minimal knowledge. So that right there off the bat, I know groups are basically where they pair four teams together and they play a series of games against each other and whoever has the most points wins that group and then makes it out of the group. And then in this case scenario, I guess two teams make it out of the group and then a third place team, uh, three of the third place teams out of the six groups, I think will be able to also make it into the next round of the tournament. And then I think at that point, then it's uh, basically single play elimination or something similar to that. So that's interesting. Didn't know that right off the bat is the the third place. I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought it was mostly just like whoever wins moves on plus whoever second place moves on kind of, you know, so like almost, you know, I didn't realize there was like a, almost a wild card format kind of thing. Yeah. So that's interesting. Cool to learn. Uh, next, we move on to why is it still called the Euro? I guess. So I guess the generic term or like the casual fan term is the Euros 2020. Uh, in this case, there's actually, it's called the UEFA Euro or the European Championship. And I guess it is played amongst the uh, majority of the European countries, so the majority of the countries that participate in those type of championships over there. So, you know, right off the bat, didn't know that, didn't know there were some teams that weren't going to be included. Uh, as far, I think like, uh, I think Danny had said Spain was one that wasn't included, if I remember correctly. So yep. uh, certain teams, yeah, so... Or maybe Spain is. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. We're we're learning as we go. But either way, uh, the games are going to be played. So it shows the next part of this, which is that the games will be played in 11 different cities. London, Rome, Munich, Bak Baku. Oh, God. Try saying that. Whatever Azerbaijan. Thank you. St. Petersburg, Budapest, uh, Seville, uh, Spain, B Bucharest, Bucharest, Amsterdam, Glasgow, and Copenhagen. Which are wow! The fact that I was able to say some of those names <laughs> straightforward, and this is like straight up. Just we don't know what we're talking about. Trying to, yeah. but that's the point. We're learning, so we're learning even geography as we go. So <laughs> that's where the that's where the euros are being played. I guess they start next weekend, so that'll be basically what I do all weekend is watch the euros. So that'll right. be fun at least uh, all day. If you mm -hmm. want to scroll down. I guess, uh, like you said, basically that means that one group will include four teams. Uh, where is the Euro final? Apparently, the semifinals and finals will be played at Wembley Stadium in London, which I do know that stadium. Very famous. Uh, the final will be held July 11th after the semifinals, which are July 6th and 7th. So this goes all the way to July 11th. I didn't even know that. I thought it was a little bit shorter than that. I guess yeah. that makes sense, though, if you think about any tournaments in the past, Martial Madness, stuff like that, that usually last 
you know, at least a full, uh, I guess they do have to play the group games first to kind of decide who and makes it out of the group. So that makes sense to me. Didn't know that though. Yeah. Uh, will there be fans? So this is actually an interesting question. Not one that you would have asked in the past, but here we are in this new COVID world. So this is interesting actually. So I guess, and especially too, that actually, okay, this actually blows my mind a little bit because this is played in multiple countries, which obviously are going to have different restrictions. So this is actually kind of crazy as far as buying tickets. I'm curious how that is. But uh, uh Budapest whole, so yes, stadiums will fill with varying degrees. Obviously, different countries have different uh, rules as far as restrictions and everything. Budapest hopes to allow for full stadiums. St. Petersburg and Baku hope to have their stadiums at 50%. Other cities allowed as of late of May, Amsterdam at 25, nearly 14,000, and so on with all of the varying degrees there. So that's interesting. That's something that I didn't even think about until literally just now with this article is the fact that we would actually have that. So yeah. now we move on. And this is where we'll pick our teams, Dylan. Okay. What teams are in? And there's different groups. So looking hmm. at it, Group A, Italy, Turkey, Wales, Switzerland. Group B, Denmark, Finland, Belgium, Russia. Group C, Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia. Uh, group D, England, Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic. Group E, Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. As well as Group F, which is the crazy group in this whole thing. Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany. Out of all of those groups and those teams, do you have any read or any beat on a team that you just off the dome right now feel, yeah, that's my team? Um, I'm, I looked straight at uh, Croatia, honestly, okay. just for um, just for cool name sounding. Uh, I almost I, there's a side of me that wants to go with Poland to uh, support my uh, my Polish brethren. Um, okay. in, in that sort of uh, way, but I don't know. In a completely unbiased take, and having no knowledge of any of the teams except for the ones um, in Group F, which apparently is supposed to be the hardest one, um, I want to go and say Croatia as my uh, since it's a March Madness style tournament. Anything can happen. Um, I'm going to go with them. All right, Dylan. My team, the one that jumped off the 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 board screen, whatever you want to call it, for me is I'm going to go with does that country even exist finland okay uh, and i'm joking because that's a that's that like weird thing on the internet where it's like have you ever met somebody from finland do you know anybody that's finnish well then it doesn't exist that's a, like stupid conspiracy theory that ha exists but i'm yeah. gonna go with finland i'm gonna go with them that's my group group b right there i uh i mean look now that i say that and knowing my previous knowledge I really don't like being in a group with Belgium. That does not make me happy. But uh, you know <laughs> what? We're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. And uh, we're going to go from there. You and, can't be wrong if you didn't know what was supposed to be right in the beginning. Dylan, you cannot. I, I do want to point out that Dylan may not contact the other Danny. I have Danny. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. So I'm going Finland. You're going Croatia. That's our team's. Yeah, and, I uh, it's too late. It's it's done. This is our teams. Whoever makes it the furthest, Dylan, or gets the most points if both teams don't make it out of the group, which probably <laughs> going to be the case with both of us. Oh, you don't know God. that, though. Listen, I just, again, now that I'm bringing in my own, like, little bit of knowledge that I do have, uh, my group, I'm not happy about being in it with Belgium, so that's that's fantastic. I hate myself for that. Uh, yours, I mean, you got England, 
actually that's i feel like that's a pretty it's a healthy upset group. chance that's what we're gonna call my remind yeah and the reason why i said group f is just like scary good is because obviously france is the favorite uh germany has been just so good for the last few years portugal is obviously portugal with freaking ronaldo and you know it's just uh it's it's the way that that group is gonna be you know sorry for hungary i hope that honestly i hope to god hungary i i'm pegging it right now hungary is gonna make it out of that group somehow some way they're gonna figure it out yeah so yeah all that uh man we I, listen i'm rolling with the fins let's go well let's find out where where do we start out with where does this actually begin at what's the first match so you can get a little yeah. bit of an idea of uh <laughs> where you have to get well, out of well dylan it's funny that you ask because <laughs> here we go and by the way, our off-screen uh, future guest correspondent picked Netherlands as the dark horse. Oh shoot! Are they in so? The group? Just log in that now. Oh, where group is that? What group is that? Scroll up down. I need to see which group it's they're gonna in. Be group C. Oh, they're not in my group. That's good. Oh, they're not in either of our groups. We're okay. We're good. Oh yeah, we're just fine. We're good. Don't have to worry about that. All right, so I'm in group. Which group am I? C, I believe, and your group uh, E. Yep, group C, and I'm oh, in no, D. Oh no, your group. No, no, I'm group B. Your group D. Group B and D, got it. Okay. okay, so B, go to group. So group A, yeah, you can see those great, fantastic. No, nobody cares. All right, so <laughs> group B, we're gonna play Denmark first in Copenhagen. Okay, that feels that feels winnable. All right, <laughs> Denmark, yeah, Denmark seems fine. No big deal. Yeah, De Denmark's a country that exists. We're probably gonna beat them. Okay, and then that. you're playing Russia. Ooh, play Russia. I feel like I okay. I feel like that could be another win actually. And then Belgium. But that's. Listen, if we show up and actually play in the game, I'll be happy. <laughs> um, oh, man, that's a rough game to finish with. Wow. It's Belgium. Four Jeez. days later, too. Yeah, that okay. sucks. Okay. What are you? Uh, who, let's see. Let's look at your group real quick, Dylan. So you group? got England to start out in London. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's not fair. I feel like that's just not even fair. Okay. Um, just a little bit of home field advantage there. That should be fine. And a little bit. And then it looks like we're moving on to the Czech Republic, uh, Czech Republic in Glasgow. Okay, a okay. noon game. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty good for uh, our team. Seems to be more of an afternoon type of uh, type of team, which is good because they'll be playing Scotland next in Glasgow, also at 3 p.m. Um, on ESPN two. So I recognize a lot of those names compared to my uh, Croatia, which you don't see in many places, which makes me a little bit nervous. But it's it's a good it's a good starting spot. I feel like. These aren't unbeatable teams for us to get out of here, right? Like these aren't crazy to have to get out of here. Dylan, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> know how good they are, so I don't know. I can't tell you that. I don't know how good the check are. No, the best part about this is that we can just make any prediction we want at this point, and then later on after this weekend, or uh, sorry, the next uh, week or week and a half or whatever, um, we can come back and see how right uh, we were. No I matter what. I can't wait to talk crap to you when you have to go play England <laughs> the day after the day well, after we get our first win. It's a good thing to start out with your hardest opponent opponent because it's good. It also serves as a warm up and it also kind of like, you know, iron sharpens iron type of thing. And then we move on to scrubs in the Czech Republic and then gear back up for a Scottish match in Glasgow. So I like the schedule personally. Listen, I just, you know, the only thing I wish is that our, our team was in with france and germany and portugal and we can just eliminate them early so that way we get we get it out of the way and we can just assert our dominance early yeah you know make make mbappe cry because he's not on um 
Finn, you know, the Finns team. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. And um, Danny's saying uh, off screen on our chat, uh, England will yes. choke, and it's inevitable. I like to hear that. Yeah. That's good. It's that's early. Good. There's lots of choking going on early, so I feel good about that. I get in London though. It doesn't feel great. That's not a great starting game. <laughs> Sometimes you're lulled into a comfort spot when you're at home, so it's more of a chance for an upset, right? Because you think you have the upper hand, and you don't. So I I like this. This is a good setup for me so far. Listen, That's Dylan, I enjoy about. you talking yourself into a game that you don't. <laughs> hey, they lost to Iceland know. in the last Euros. There, that's that's fact is right it, there. Is that Danny that just said that? Yeah. So I like okay, that. Well, you can't pull that out of your. Can't, can't These are just facts. This. I'm not saying anything wrong or anything cheating. I'm just using some historical knowledge that's there. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that's that's good. We love Listen, that. The Finns, the Finns are going to make it out of the group stage. That's all I got to say. So. A nation of three thousand human or three hundred thousand humans, yeah. Well, the best of the best, right? Sometimes yeah. they just show up. I mean, man, yeah, yeah. Right. is gonna be rough. Let's. Look, I'm just like to look. I don't back know what you're talking about, Dylan. Group B. Dylan, I don't we got know. Denmark. Who cares? Bring it on. And then we got you know after Denmark we got uh who do we got Russia? Yep. Whatever. And Belgium. Peters in Saint Petersburg. That's fine. You won't have to drive far after you lose. You can drive right home. And then, uh, you know, then we take on Belgium. And, you know, I just, am I, am I that worried about Belgium? Yeah, you know, maybe a little bit. They're, they're maybe looking it good. Makes me want to cry, but, you know. Yeah. And then Danny says that Italy's being slept on. Um, Italy's got, looks like their schedule's coming up. It's going to be Turkey, uh, followed up by Switzerland a few days later in Rome. That's really cool to see as a place. Yeah. play at that's very cool that's that's some crap they get back-to-back <laughs> games in rome when in rome you when? know <laughs> yeah, stacked. Mean, oh no though? that looks bad for you Dylan, i don't want to hear it he's saying belgium's stacked that's okay yeah i know belgium's one of the better teams in the freaking thing i didn't realize that when i selected the fins <laughs> i don't want to talk about it we're gonna make it out of the group stage yep you, you couldn't look ahead it was you know you couldn't do that in the first place so it's only best that the, that that's how we figure that out I believe in us. And then just in reference to the rest of the teams too, you might as well look at the rest of the schedule. The Poland, uh, the Brethren team, Slovakia, yeah. and looks like they're going to be going Spain and then Spain. Sweden. Okay. Ooh, Spain will be a tough one there. Scary That's teams probably... in order. Number one, France. Number two, Belgium. Wow, number two. Three, Germany. I don't, feel and four, I don't Portugal. like that, Dylan. Dylan, you know what I smell? Upset. I smell Upset of the fear. century. Fear at I best. I smell. I smell confidence in our team. And what I've been told is the bloodbath pool, Group F. Um, yeah. I believe it is. Yeah, this is just. Uh, it's hung. It's it's Hungary versus uh, literally the powerhouses of you know football. So you have Germany, who's been amazing in the last like I don't know ten years, and then you have France, who's got you know Mbappe and. Just so many other stacked players, and just they're ridiculous. And then you got Portugal, it was, you know, Portugal, Cristiano, nothing, nonchalant. Yeah. So. So what I my question was, I don't know if Danny got to talking about this when we were talking about it in person, but why do all these powerhouses get swept into the same group? Yeah, I don't know why that happened. I don't know if it's a voting thing or if that's like a. I don't know. That's a good question, but uh. You know, while he's answering that, let's keep scrolling down. So we don't really care about that. We'll, f- we'll worry about the quarterfinals and 
the finals when we get there, you know, when the Finns... Oh, Finns are going to play July 11th in London. Okay, good to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding, Dylan. All right, so... Anyways, Since he's pretty so, sure it's random draws, which is an unbelievably bad stroke of luck for Hungary, which is just yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know, Hungary, listen, Hungary is going to pull off one. Of, there's going to be a massive upset. Hungary is going to be and it's going to be a shocker. Yeah, and they're going to they're going to end with three points and that's it. But you know what? It was a hard fought earned three points. Yeah. And the best part is we don't even have to wait that long because it's going to start this uh, this Friday. Yeah, this Friday. Yeah, and that's the kickoff for everything. Do I get to watch uh, my team first? Although no, I think my team's first, right? It looks like well, the very first match. So go to Group B. Italy. Yeah, and then you're gonna so be Group B second. is Finland and Denmark, and the twelfth, which is Saturday at noon, and then we go to Group D because that's where you are. Yep, and then on right, June thirteenth, thirteenth at nine a.m. Wow, you got a nine a.m. game. What a loser. He says it, it, it always happens in these tournaments where one group is three teams that all make it, all should make it out. And Italy, Turkey's first, the only game on Friday. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, good. We all don't right, have to wait then, very long for this, then. Yep. All right. So that was uh, that was two Americans that don't know anything about the Euros learning about the Euros, which is, you know, always entertaining and always fun. And uh, I will be just watching Finnish soccer like I've never watched it before. Finnish football, I should say. Like <laughs> I've never fan watched fan. it before. And um I may have to I may have to buy a kit. Who knows? Maybe I'll have to get one. Fin fan till you die, am I right? Yeah. Never would have known. What it's gonna be. All right. So well that was the Euros right. and we're gonna be looking at those and then Yeah. Keeping into the same conversation so to speak, of our own football. Uh, USA did won the CONCACAVE. I feel like that was actually the best. <laughs> that was probably the best pronunciation I've had all night. We need a Google Translate out here to uh, sound our way through Conca-cave? that word. There we go. Nailed it. CONCACAVE. <laughs> Third time's the charm, baby. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We learned. We learned. We're not stupid. <laughs> Maybe we are, but CONCACAVE, right, yeah, woo, we won that, that's pretty cool, it was the first time we've ever done it. I'm actually, I'm, I sound like I'm joking, but I'm actually being serious, no, it is really cool that we actually won it, because it's the first time that we've done it, and we beat Mexico, which has been a rivalry, because we always play in the CONCACAVE, uh, CONCACAVE, Con- yeah, CONCACAVE, dang it, okay. I was so freaking close, I felt really good with the CONCACAVE, no, I don't, <laughs> dang it, fourth time, here we go, Oh well. one for 400, batting 250, that's not too bad, yeah. um, Okay, so the CONCACAVE, or CAF, CONCACAF. Right. Cut it. It's getting worse, Dylan, as I Cut it and move on, yep. Don't worry, we can Anyways, edit that out I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we won. So kind of recapping what actually happened and what got us there. Uh, Gio Reyna scored the first equalizer to e- basically make it 1-1. And then from there, Weston McKinney, who I guess is a young talent for Juventus, who uh, I didn't even really know too much about. Um, up until this basically this match and after hearing about him and basically how he's an up-and-coming talent for them uh, I'm intrigued to just kind of see where his career goes he's only 24 years old so obviously plenty of career ahead of him um, he actually got it with a beautiful header to kind of send it to uh, extra time then in extra time Christian Pulisic who is a big name that you probably have heard he's 
basically kind of the biggest star uh, as far as USA soccer goes at the moment. Most recognizable star. He uh, plays for Chelsea, who just won um, the Champions League uh, this year. He was the first American to ever play in a Champions League. And so that was pretty huge. Uh, he played uh, uh, in this match and ended up with a PK with about the 114th minute, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, he ended up nailing that PK, stone cold. The goalie guessed even the right side, but he just drilled it straight up into the corner of the net. Uh, so it was just, you know, one of those shots that was just confident, knew where he was going and nailed it. And so that was awesome to see. And then not only that, but backup goalie, Ethan Horvath, who came in uh, substitute for the, the starter, uh, had a ridiculous save at like literally the 124th minute, 125th minute of the match, like literally the very end of the match. Um, there was a PK awarded to Mexico via a handball that occurred within the box. And then from there, uh, the even Ethan guessed right and saved the freaking whole game for the USA team. And to just come that big on as a backup goalie in such a you know massive stage is huge for him. And it was just awesome. It was fun. It was so much cool. It was so cool to see. And especially with the disappointment that we had in the previous World Cup, not even qualifying. Um it's just it was kind of a letdown and an embarrassment for USA soccer. So for us to kind of bounce back like that and get this win um, is huge. And there's going to be a lot more excitement going into the next World Cup final, uh, being able to see or FIFA World Cup to see uh, USA and what they could do now that they've kind of, you know, kind of licked their wounds and come back to, uh, you know, hopefully produce like they should. Uh, and it's one of those where if we want to become, you know, a bigger name in soccer as far as the men's go, we need to step it up in our production and, and players like Christian Pulisic are the guys that need to step it up. So for Christian Pulisic and uh, that whole team to step it up and, and guys like McKinney and Horvath uh, to really, you know, take a moment in stride and play as well as they did was awesome. And really it was one of those where you bring a lot more excitement back to the sport that was kind of lost a little bit after not qualifying and being such a, basically an embarrassment and disappointment uh, previously. So it was awesome to see. I don't know if you were able to catch any of it or, you know, see any highlights or anything, but it was, it was really, really fun to see and really great for uh, the USA men's team. Yeah. So I, my question was, where is the next step basically in terms of how the tournaments work, how basically, basically what is next um, from this? Cause I see they played today and uh, be Costa Rica, I believe. I was just yeah. checking up on the side. So I'm probably not the best person to answer this, obviously. And this yeah. is why we'll bring Danny on and he'll explain more uh, at some point. Yeah, it was. So that was just a friendly. So uh -huh. in uh, in football for I know at least this much. I know friendlies basically are where teams agree to play each other. It's basically an expedition. It's oh, think of it as like preseason NFL. But like if two teams just agreed to play each other like before preseason th that would be how it is so teams usually try sets out they try uh different substitutions i think uh if i remember correctly danny said that you can substitute usually unlimited so normal matches uh in competitive play you can only make three substitutes over the course of the match uh i believe in friendlies you can make as many as you want if it's you know predetermined so uh it allows you to try different sets uh try different um formations and kind of get a chemistry going amongst teams. So this wasn't really a big deal. I know that tournaments kind of run throughout the year and throughout the entire 
play. Obviously, the Euros occurring right now kind of puts other tournaments out of the version. Yeah, so the Americans version of Euros will be built later in the summer. Okay, so yeah, so it's one of those where called the Gold Cup. So it's one of those where we aren't participating in the Euros because it's the Euros. And while the Euros are going on, a lot of the obviously all the best players that play for those countries are there uh, and not playing elsewhere. You kind of everything's everywhere else is a little bit of it at a hold almost until the Euros are over. So and then, like you said, we'll look forward to the Gold Cup next. So that's really what we're striving for next. Okay, got it. Cool. Um, And to pivot back a little bit, because apparently I skipped this one. I did not see it exactly. But the odds to win the tournament, I wish, I'm actually glad we didn't look at this beforehand because this would have put bias in our team so we would have selected. Maybe that oh, was a man. little bit of subconscious in that. But France at uh, plus 450, England at plus 500, Belgium at plus 600, Spain at 800, Germany 800, Portugal 800 as well. You know, I'm really glad that I picked a team <laughs> that's in such an easy competition. I mean, we, we, should, we should just take care of all the teams in our group. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess there's this team called Belgium that's pretty good in their group. I don't I'm not really worried about them. You know, that's one of those where uh we'll They're small time. kind of roll yeah, roll on through, play the next team, you know, next man up. Who cares? Yeah. Uh but no, for real though, uh that is kind of scary. And uh I really straight Oops. up did not notice Belgium when I actually picked Finland. I was like, Yeah, Finland's my team. And then I then we looked at the group together and I saw uh Belgium and I just went well, that was a decision, and I now have to live with it. And yeah. <laughs> here we are. Team so. Puki, all the way. That was the best pronunciation of that. And I'm going to be down with that because that name's pretty cool, too. Man, can we just clip me and you trying to pronounce any of these word names? And If it ever just... becomes a big thing in the future, someone we don't have to pay for will do that for fun, just to clown on us. So I'm going to rely oh, on that in the, when, in, in the historical footage. When me and you and this podcast become big, it's just gonna be there's gonna be a compilation out there of just all the errors. It's gonna be, <laughs> and it's gonna start with me trying to pronounce concavity. Concave. Concave. I love that I said it so confidently with concave. I was like, yeah, that's it. And then Danny's just like, actually, it's concave. And I was like, yeah, dang it, so close. Timo Puki is your man to watch. So if you want someone to look up, do some research on and to root for, apparently you got your guy. Danny, if you can give me someone for Croatia, similarly to root for, that'd be great. I need someone. I need my I need my uh, my MVP to watch out for, um, to look for in the future. Um, yeah. Right. And in I'm terms not- of uh, you have a lot of good ones. Okay. Cool. I, that sounds like it's gonna be fun for me to watch then. Oh, Modric, uh, get out of here. Modric. I forgot. Per- I forgot, oh, here, let's Croatia. do this. Luka Mondrik, Ivan Persik, Perisic, Ante Rebic, Rebic. Oh boy. These aren't like super long ones. So there's not a lot of places to um, sad fall apart part is, on. We, sad, sad part is, is Danny could be coming up with these names. We don't even know. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Mislav well, Orsic. I know Mondrik. I, I know that name at least. The next ones are just going to be Lord of the Rings names. Star Trek random <laughs> ones that are just pulled out at this point. We're just gonna you're just gonna randomly see Gandalf Skywalker. Yeah, Gandalf That's the striker. Gandalf Skywalker and uh, oh Andre Kramaric or Kramaric. Wonder which one it is. It's probably neither of those. I like that you <laughs> narrowed them too. Yeah, it's either that or that. It's definitely one of these for sure. There's no other way one I'm wrong about this. 
Wow. That's great. Look at, look at us Americans just showing why we're Americans. That's at least yeah. five. So that's those are really good ones to come off of in the first place. Well, you know, I got all I need is one. So it's all it's all I'm hearing. Yeah, all Croatia's I'm hearing is sleeper. That's what I'm hearing. Sleeper pick. All right. Okay. In terms of the NBA, oh, we'll do a couple of brief segments here because obviously they're still going on, and it's always fun to clown on the Bucks for being chokers in the playoffs, which is my take and hilarious. God. So <laughs> Danny, or uh, like, and this is and this is what I'm going to say right here is is Giannis needs to learn how to shoot the ball for love of God. Just <laughs> learn how learn how to like shoot consistently because it's just not working. Well, I mean, he shot like what two for he was like two for six like 12 or something two for 10 or something and he scored 26 points like you can't just dribble down the lane and expect that to be your entire like point total just make something happen get your mid-range shot consistently uh, do something do something to help the team other than drive because it's not working and it hasn't worked and then the best scoring option that anybody trusts to make a shot is chris middleton and listen chris middleton's a good player but he's not good enough to be the guy that makes you know any shot that you need you know it's not that that shouldn't be how it is so i'm just it's one of those where i just it's not surprising here we are the bucks doing what the bucks always do which is underperform and they never can do it in the big stage they never can compete and part of the reason why is because that i love Giannis. i have his jersey in my closet i love Giannis. he's a great player he just does not have the shooting capabilities to carry a team far enough like he's like the, the reason why LeBron was able to carry a team is because LeBron had a mid-range shot before he hit a before he had a three-point shot. He had a mid-range shot at least. And then he also could take over a game with his drives and everything. Giannis just can't hit the mid-range enough. So that's guess what? If you can hit the mid-range, you become very one-dimensional. And when you're one-dimensional, it's a lot easier to stop you when you start getting further in the playoffs and you start playing teams that, you know, are able to cover that and everything and able to defend against that. And this is what's happened with the Bucks and the Nets. I mean, what do we say about the Nets? The Nets are ridiculous. The Nets are as good as advertised. They're unbelievable. Playing and without Harden still. No, yeah, without Harden, which is just absurd. And like I said, that's, that's the whole crazy part about this team is, is that they, the one, one superstar goes down and then you've got two more. So like, who cares? You know, it's one of those where you're just, the Nets are going to be there at the very end. They're going to be in the championship. I don't care who goes up against them. The, you know, uh, the 76ers, which I are we, I don't know if we'll talk about them later, but. Uh, um, I think we might have something on them. So, yeah, we'll talk a little bit later. It doesn't matter. The Nets are going to make it out of the, uh, they're going to make it out of the East. And I think the West is way more enjoyable at this point because there's a lot of teams. There's a couple teams that could make it out that we'll talk about. But yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's depressing. It's sad watching the Bucks just never reach their potential and never be good. And they got Drew Holiday this offseason and everybody was like, maybe that's the piece. Maybe that's what they needed is to get another, you know, wing, uh, not wing, uh, another guard who can, you know, defend and, uh, you know, make a couple of shots here and there. And it's it's not because ultimately at the end of the day, you're only as good as your best player and your best player just can't shoot the ball. So that's always going to restrict you regardless of how good you are as a team and that's what we're seeing is and i know they're running against the nets and i know the nets are as good as they are but i mean come on losing by nearly 40 points is not you're not going to win anything with that you're not going to you know win anybody over with that nobody's going to be like wow i can't believe they're the you know like well the bucks are trying their best it's like no the bucks are not trying their best because the bucks are failing just like they always have in the past regular season champions and i don't know this um 
at this point. Um, is has Giannis resigned? Like, is he is he on his supermax now? I forgot. Has that drama already been settled so. from last season? Okay. Yeah, I believe he's on his supermax. Okay, so he signed his soul over to live there now. Okay, I got it. Just well, to be he sure also about that part. yeah. I mean, he just he's gonna get paid. He's gonna get you know all the money from the supermax and. He's going to have a really crazy career with a bunch of, it's going to be, it's a Russell Westbrook part two, really what it is. It's Russell Westbrook with all the crazy, like a lot of money, a lot of crazy stats, you know, triple double. It's amazing. Whoa. Never win a championship. Damian Lillard currently also that part two. Yeah. But Damian Lillard's better than Giannis and Westbrook. Damian Lillard is like Damian Lillard is a superstar who. I mean, they, like, like I said, if, if I had to pick somebody to make a shot, to win a game like if if i needed a three to win the game or even just a jump shot i'm like picking steph curry or uh damon lillard right now because those are the two people that are consistently hitting clutch shots damon lillard at times is basically carrying the uh, trailblazers to be better than they they actually are and that's why honestly i heard that the clippers uh which we'll talk actually actually fun little transition right glad you mentioned this the clippers Somebody said that the Clippers basically believe that they'll be able to get Damian Lillard this offseason or they'll be able to potentially get him this offseason, which would be wild because he would actually go to a team like the Clippers is the place for a player like Damian Lillard to go to because the Clippers desperately need the guy like they need a guy. Paul George, I love you, Paul George. He's not a number one. He's not an alpha. He's not going to be he's not going to be the guy that leads your team. (laughs) Kawhi Leonard. Love Kyle Leonard, great player, one of the better players in the entire league. Not an alpha, not an alpha. He just isn't. Even when he was on the Raptors, it wasn't really, you know, Lowry was there. They had, you know, people that were voices and leaders of the team. Kawhi Leonard, he's going to show up and he's going to play extremely well. He's going to score. He's going to defend. He's going to play one of the best two-way players, you know, in the league and maybe ever. That's the way he's going to be. He's not a leader. He's not going to ignite the team. He's not going to carry them, put them on their back, nothing like that. And that's what you got is you got two basically neither of them are alphas. That's why you freaking see Morris in this picture with them because Morris is more of an alpha than these two. So that's the problem <laughs> is they just don't have if Damian Lillard went to this this Clippers team, I'm picking them to win the championship. And the reason why is because Damian Lillard immediately becomes the alpha that they need and the the guy that can make the shot at the end of the game that they need. Sure. Like it's it's literally like the Nets are a whole different breed because Kyrie's shown that he can make the shot at the end of the game. James Harden's shown that he can make the shot at the end of the game. Kevin Durant's shown that he can make the shot at the end of the game. Whereas you go to the other side, the Clippers, literally nobody has like, yeah, Kawhi Leonard's made the shot at the end of games, but he's not he's not the alpha dominant guy that's going to take over a series, and he never has been. Neither is Paul George. They're both fantastic two-way players in the league. They just they're not alphas. So if Damian Lillard goes to the Clippers somehow this offseason, if he's able to, they're able to figure out a way to get him and pull him away from Portland. My God, I would love for that because that would be immediately. I would want to see the Nets versus the Clippers in the national champ or the championship in the finals. And I don't even care literally about any other team. I don't even care about the Bulls at that point. I literally would yeah. only care about that matchup. Oh, that so. that would be fun for sure. That would be something to look out for. Um, and that then it brings us to the other NBA series that's going on right now. Yeah, so the 76ers evened up the series last game. They actually defended or decided to defend Trey Young. And surprise, surprise, when you're able to defend defend Trey Young and you're the better team, you end up winning the game. 
that's how it goes. They are the better team. The 76ers are better than the Atlanta Hawks at this moment. The Atlanta Hawks, don't get me wrong, are a super talented, up-and-coming, very young team, so they're going to make a lot of noise in the future. But they're not a better team at this moment. So the better team should win out, and that's why I wasn't really surprised that the Hawks shocked them in the first game because I've seen that plenty of times in the NBA. That's how it always goes. In the first game of the NBA, uh, in a lot of series, teams will shock the other team you know i've seen it as a bulls fan with you know the miami heat teams back in the day when the bulls would take game one like i remember when nate robinson you know the chicago legend season with us and was literally like a legend in the city because of how great he is and i love nate robinson he's one of my favorite players but he won the first playoff game i believe if i remember correctly against the uh um, the heat and everybody was like wow the bulls might actually be a thing and then i think we lost that series 5-1 so or 4-1 so yeah. it's one of those where I'm not surprised that Atlanta pulled the first game out. They're going to win a second game for sure. I think the 76ers are going to win the series 4-2 and 6. So I'm not surprised if, you know, the Atlanta Hawks figure out to win one of the next couple games here. But I do think that the 76ers are going to win the series in 6 and uh, because they're the better team. And I think that once they started caring about actually guarding Trey Young well, that's when the whole tide changed, and that's why they were able to perform last game. And yeah, Joel Embiid obviously scoring 40 points doesn't hurt you. So, <laughs> but I just, the 76ers, though, unfortunately are a team, in my opinion, that they're good enough to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But the moment they go up against the Nets, the Nets are going to run the floor with them because at the end of the day, the 76ers don't have enough people to make shots consistently at, you know, from three point to keep up with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, just relentlessly scoring along with, you know, all the complimentary players on that team to go with them. So the nets are going to make it out. I think if the 76ers win this series in six, like I think they're going to, I would expect them to go against the nets and I'd expect them that series to end five or four, one. I would expect it to go five games, 76ers pull one game out, maybe at home, and then the Nets basically wipe the floor with them the rest of the four. So that's what I would expect, and then I expect the Nets to be in the finals. Gotcha. So, Okay, um, um, and also on the side, going back, um, Hydradecki, I believe, is a Finland goalie, but guess what? Croatia lost to France in the World Cup final, apparently, so I unknowingly picked a decent team. Maybe not a dark horse, but a decent team. So Dylan, cool. I cannot wait for Croatia to not win a single game and Finland to just somehow <laughs> make somehow Finland's going to beat Belgium and it's going to shock the world. I'm ready for it and I can't wait. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's all up to it's all up to what happens, you know, in the tournament. Yep. How it goes. So. And all right. Jokic. Over to Jokic. Jokic, by the way. Jokic. Okay. There we go. We'll get sorry, the you're right. You're so good down. at pronouncing things. Dylan, we have to at least get this right. We have to at least get this right because we butchered the rest of the night. Okay. So, okay. So Jokic wins the MVP. No surprise, considering if you pay attention to our channel or you watch our videos, we had literally this video where I said Jokic is going to be the MVP of the league. And like, yeah, that's not like a hot take. Like, I'm not like blowing you away with a shocking take. But I was like, listen, Jokic is going to be the MVP. That's the way it is. And guess what? He's the MVP. The crazy part about it, though, bunch of things came out of this that I thought was wild as far as those like stats go and like fun little facts. So Jokic is the lowest pick ever to win the MVP at number 41. He's the only second round pick to win the MVP trophy as well. Oh. Uh He's also the first Denver Nugget to win the MVP trophy. So the first of his team. 
Uh, he's also the sixth foreign-born player to win. The other five to win that are foreign-born uh, were Tim Duncan, who I believe is from the Virgin Islands, uh, Steve Nash from Canada, Dirk Nowitzki. I believe Dirk is from Germany, if I remember correctly. Um, and then I believe Olajuwon. Oh, that's, I can't remember where Olajuwon's from. Uh, so, and that's what five, right? I'm missing. Who am I missing? Who's the other one? Oh, sure. off the top of my head, can't remember. But anyways, yeah. So he's the sixth foreign-born player to win. Uh, he's also the first center to win the MVP trophy since Shaq in the year 2000. So 21 years since the center has won it. Uh, centers slowly have been almost. They were almost phased out almost completely in the MV or in the whole league. Uh, for a while there with the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors were running sets with Draymond Green at center, and he was literally 6'7". So for the fact that a 7-foot center who's so integral in the entire system that they run at Denver, I mean, so another crazy fact, he led the league in touches slash passes uh, for his team. So in the entire league, he's the one that touches the ball the most or passed the ball the most. So basically the offense ran through him, and his team shot 52% on passes from him. So. Not only did he run the offense through him, but he ran it successfully through him. And that's why the you know Denver Nuggets are as good as they are right now. And they have a lot of young talent too going forward. So uh and then also by the way, little shout out, uh the man who drafted Jokic and saw the talent in Jokic runs the Chicago Bulls now. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> um just to throw it out there as the hope. Uh so yeah, so just crazy. And then another fact that I thought was wild too, Jokic played all 72 games this year. Uh, because the season was only 72 games. He played and started all 72 games. The last MVP winner to play all of the games in the season that they won the MVP trophy was 2007-2008 Kobe, which is no surprise there. And then I'm guessing you're going to go into the next thing with Kobe? The next thing with Kobe. Oh, so um, I believe the last challenge or one of the last challenges that Kobe gave to uh, Jokic was to win MVP. And he did. Look at that. So, yeah. (laughs) I pay attention to some things in the background. There you go, Dylan. Learn something every day. (laughs) Teaching me. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's just, it's it's awesome to see him win it. It's awesome to see a center win it. It's awesome to see a foreign-born player win it because it does a lot for the sport uh, worldwide and internationally. Uh, It's also great to see a guy who's just a good all-around player. And, you know, it's not the flashy pick, but it's the pick that was most deserving. And it's not surprising that he won. And honestly, his team, part of the reason why they're where they are is because of him. So it's great to see that. And yeah, so it's just, it's awesome for him to win it. He's also now eligible for the Supermax deal, which you see the numbers on the screen is quite a lot of money. So the fact that he won the MVP trophy, not only is it winning the MVP trophy important for any player's popularity, as well as any player's just legacy, but it's also important for the fact that his money, his pocket is now going to burn plenty of holes with the amount of money that's going to be in there because of the supermax deal and it's dude nba money in general is disgusting it's It's unbelievable i can't believe that i mean it's wild because i mean they're like the second most popular sport in the entire world so i mean there's that but it's it's also like the concentration of talent and everything you don't have that many players to actually you know like give the bills to as opposed to like an nfl team but my god that's an insane amount of money to allocate to one person obviously that person is mvp and they're worthy of it yada 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 but wow it's it's crazy it's just crazy yeah. it's 
241 million over five years. And the other thing too, by the way, that guaranteed, you probably right? guaranteed, huh? fully guaranteed, right? NBA contract. I believe, yeah, I believe NBA contracts are fully guaranteed. So, wow, it's absurd. Yeah, it's great. The NBA knows how to do this. The NBA CBA is usually they know how to do their contracts and money and everything, and it's fantastic. Which actually, by the way, I didn't know if you know this, and I don't know if other people that are listening pay attention to the basketball enough to know this too. Um, do you know why the Supermax deal was actually created? No. So the Supermax deal was actually created in order to keep uh, players in their home uh, or their home team or their original okay. team. Yeah. And the reason why is because if you decide to sign with a different team, the max contract that you can sign, uh, there's a sp- it's a lot lower than the Supermax deal or even just the max deal you could sign as your own. And you can only sign four years. Whereas if you go with your own team, the one that you're currently on and re-sign, you can sign up to five years then, so you get an extra year on the end of your contract, which again, of course, is more guaranteed money. And you get larger deals like this right here where you get the Supermax deal now eligible because of the MVP trophy. So the NBA basically developed that in order to kind of limit player or try to deter player mobility, uh, considering it was kind of getting a little wild there for uh, you know a bit where literally everybody was just going wherever they wanted um yeah. informing super teams and it's kind of you kind of get it a little bit with the nets but those were all unrestricted free agents that were able to sign so it's okay well in trades too so that's okay that's understandable the way that those super teams were formed but uh that's what they tried to do with the super max deal is basically keep players in their you know original teams so that way small market teams have an ability to keep you know big name players and and uh keep the money flowing yeah, just so. give them a chance at that point. You got to compete with sponsorships. You got to compete with, I mean, well, sponsorships literally out to just living in the city itself. Um, income tax deals across different states. I mean, there's so much stuff that goes into it that makes sense that they tried to at least address it. So um, that's yeah. that's a good thing to see. And because the show is the show, we go to transition from talking up Jokic and how great he is to then showing him in this graphic. <laughs> That's of a mountain that the Suns are just destroying right now because the Suns just won. For anybody that doesn't know, live, the game just finished uh, a little bit ago. The Suns blew out the Nuggets in game two and are now up 2-0 in the series. And I'm not surprised the Suns are doing this because to me, the Suns have kind of felt like a magical team. And what I mean by magical is if you're a sports fan and you pay attention enough uh, to kind of, you know, you watch teams, there's this weird magical feeling that you kind of get with teams and with the Suns, I kind of have that. And what I mean by magical is, is usually those teams that you have this magical feeling about are teams that are like, yeah, there's just something about them. Like they're just, they're succeeding. They're covered in the media a lot, but they're also succeeding at a higher rate than maybe they would have thought. And so it's those teams that are just having a magical year where things are going their way. You know, calls are going their way. Balls are rolling their way, just everything. And then, the Suns to me feel like that team right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns are the team that make it out of the West. There's a lot of good teams in the West and I wouldn't still, you know, be surprised if they didn't make it, but I do think that they're going to be. So if I had to pick today, I think the Suns are going to play the Nets in the finals. And I think the Nets win probably, probably in five. I think it's a pretty, it's going to be a pretty ridiculous finals where I think the Nets are going to be pretty one-sided because I think the Nets are just unstoppable at this point. And I don't think that the Suns are going to be able to, but I do like that the Suns are actually, I mean, the Suns went from, you know, having the number one overall pick again because of how bad they were to suddenly end up, you know, being as good as they are. And they did need point guard help. That was the big thing. They had Ricky Rubio. He just didn't do it for them. 
uh they end up signing chris paul who can you know who's been healthy this year and playing really well this year and that's been huge for them and speaking of money chris paul is about to get his he's expected to turn down his 44 million dollar player option in order to sign a three-year 110 million dollar contract so that's crazy too because he's 34 years old I, I I know I thought at this time um what is it I mean like the before the season last year whatever you want to call it um the whole I thought the consensus was Chris Paul was often injured on his way out like down and out like he's going to lock into that contract because that's going to be you know a steal in the bag for him but now that he's exiting that contract and looking to resign for more and leading like a surging Suns team is you know that's a, that's quite a big of a turnaround. Oh, well, it's because it's he couldn't stay healthy is really what it was. Is he just couldn't stay healthy. We all knew he was a great point guard. He's one of the best of all time. And, you know, he's one of the best players of all time that never won a championship kind of thing. So you always knew that he was he was good. It's just he never could stay healthy enough to produce, you know, well enough to earn the contract that he was being paid. So that's why teams were like, you know, eh, I don't really want to give him that contract. Suns took a chance on him because they desperately needed a point guard. And it was one of those where really they just needed a veteran point guard to come in, play well, but also distribute the ball and kind of build that offense um, up that was kind of young. And it's, you know, Devin Booker is, what, 23 years old, I think, or 22 years old. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's only, like, 19, 20 years old. So, like, team's super young. They needed a veteran point guard to come in and run the offense well and also produce at a high level. And they got that in Chris Paul, who might have been injury-prone, but this year he's found a way to stay pretty healthy and the team's doing amazing. And like I said, they feel like a magical team this year where I really can see them making it out of the West. So, okay. And into um, something that uh, I was also following very closely as well, NFL news and the biggest NFL story. Well, at least at the time when we wrote um, the plan for this was um, Julio Jones being traded to the Titans for a second round pick and smaller picks, I think, including a fourth round pick. And I'm not sure if there's anything else in addition to that, but basically a little bit more than uh, Muhammad uh, Sanu was traded for less than two years ago now. So put that in perspective. Yeah, and people and people were like, you know, oh, a second round pick is pretty good still, and a fourth round pick that's that's two picks. And I'm like, (laughs) listen, this is Julio Jones. If Julio Jones is able to play like Julio Jones, this is worth every single pick in the entire draft, basically, and. I will say, you know, there's a couple things. So one, the amount that they had to get for him, not that crazy. I'm totally okay with it. I think that, again, people need to realize it's Julio freaking Jones. He's a game changer. He Because people don't realize that, like, your run game was ridiculous and A.J. Brown was ridiculous. But now you have A.J. Brown only, like, A.J. Brown had to play against the best corner of the other team. Now he doesn't. So now he's not. Like he and Julio now has to play against the best corner. And now as a defense, who do you double team? Do you double team AJ Brown? Do you double team Julio Jones? I don't know. Cause then the other problem is, is you also have a guy who's literally larger than your middle linebacker who can <laughs> run you over. So like the question is, is, you know, who do you go to? And like, it's always like, if you have a really good run game, it opens up things for your passing game. Well, that was the case last year with a team that didn't have Julio. And now it's the case with a team that has Julio Jones. So, yeah. like, the fact that they're going to be able to open up a lot with Julio and because he also he's such a deep threat, even if he's not even if he's not getting the ball and he's not the primary target on a play and he's the decoy, you have to respect his his catchability and his deep 
you know, and everything enough that it's going to pull defenders and it's going to pull a safety away. And guess what? That safety's 30, 40 yards down the field. He's not worried about AJ Brown coming underneath for a catch, or he's not worried about Derrick Henry running up the field. You know, safety is having to come up and finish that tackle on Derrick Henry. Well, that's not the case anymore because the safety's gone. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those where this just opens up so much more for an offense that was already very good. Now, I will say the question then comes, well, teams don't do this unless they are trying to win a title. Are the Titans title contenders? I say yes, but with a catch. I think the catch is, is that your defense needs to show up. Yep. They did get, you know, they did upgrade in pass rush. Uh, if they got, I think they sent Bud Dupree this offseason, which does help their pass rush and they needed pass rush help. That was like, they had none last year, which is why they were, weren't as good as they could have been. They also need consistent corner play because they haven't had that in the last few years. They thought Malcolm Butler could be that and they gave him a massive contract and he wasn't. So that's another thing that needs to, you know, become a consistency that will help them win a title. So their defense has a lot of questions. I think at the end of the day, because they did get Caleb Farley in the draft, who was a corner that a lot of people thought could be a top five, top 10 corner. He just had some injuries in his past that scared people away and scared teams. So if Caleb Farley's healthy and playing well, automatically you have a top five corner from the draft that's playing. Then you also got Bud Dupree, who if Bud Dupree slots in and starts helping out your pass rush, well, then maybe your pass rush comes to life, you know, like it did. And if that's the case and what I just said occurs, then that team's going to be absurd because their defense is going to be good enough. Look at the Chiefs, you know, when the Chiefs won the title and the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl last year. The reason why the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl is because they had a ridiculous offense. I mean, yes, they have Patrick Mahomes, but they had a ridiculous offense. Look at their defense. Their defense wasn't spectacular. It wasn't great, but their defense was like a pretty middle of the road, you know, good enough defense, which is what you need. That's all that matters when you have a good enough offense to carry you, you know, far. You just need a defense that's able to play well enough to win you games and keep you in games. And that's what they did. Same yeah. with the Titans. If the Titans can find a little bit of pass rush, can find a little bit of consistency at corner and secondary, then their offense is going to freaking hum like the best car you've ever heard. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch. So I'm excited nonetheless to watch it just because of that. But yeah, it's going to be, I mean, they're a contender if that defense is able to step up and become even a top 16 defense, you know? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty much my same take as well. I don't know too much about the Titans draft recently. If they drafted for defense, I'm, I mean, you could be pretty hopeful about bringing in like younger guys and your rookies come in. Maybe those end up clat or maybe those end up actually like melding together really well. And you have like, you know, even just an average defense compared to the trash they put out there last year. So that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Otherwise, like it goes without saying the Titans are going to be like probably the, like the number one Madden choice in terms of like teams that they're going to want to yeah. play as because oh, it's yeah. going to be so much fun to bring online and, you know, do whatever with. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's really it, it is contingent on the defense. If they're going to be able to take over and have like some guys slot in, do well, maybe you get some younger guys come in and they just like pick up the slack and at least get some pass rush going, like you're saying. Maybe they can make up for their deficiencies elsewhere, but needless to say, they'll be a really fun team, like by mm -hmm. far, because I was always really, it was kind of fun to root for the Titans anyways. Ryan Tannehill also adds another dimension to that offense too. He can obviously move pretty well, and if he seems to be able to continue the way he's been playing, maybe we thought it was just going to be the one year of him being a flash in the pan, but he's put up two consistent years, so I don't think it's a flash in the pan. So yeah, it uh, it lies on the defense. Um 
either way, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch where they go. And as long as Julio can actually stay on the field and not be injured, I think they're going to be borderline, I mean, I guess unstoppable. They lost one significant, I think, uh, member of the offensive line. Otherwise, their O-line stuck up pretty well, as far as I remember. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, I mean, they could absolutely go off in a couple of playoffs. And as long as, I mean, there's another part of it too. You could do the same old, um, what is it? I'm, I'm trying to think of the team that did this last, but basically just run the clock into the ground and keep your defense off the field. Keep them on there for, you know, the lowest time of possession you possibly can. And whatever they put out there, maybe they can, you know, force a couple of turnovers, whatever else. I, otherwise, just lean on that offense and you have the ability to run the ball and just run the ball repeatedly and kill the clock. Yep. It's there. And then if you need to go for the kill shot, you need to pick up to that hurry up offense, two minute drill. Okay. Now you have everything you, you need and two huge wide receivers too. So yep. I think they're equipped for lots of things. I am, I'll be a fan. I was a fan last year. Cause it's really fun to watch Derek Henry run. I feel like everyone's pretty synonymous on that. And it's going to be, I mean, there, there's so many different additions to the team. Obviously we have a lot more, to go into with uh, local teams as well, but it's going to be a very quick turnaround, I feel like, in to the time we get into OTAs and we get into the preseason. It's going to be fun to approach that. And boom, perfect segue into that. OTAs and uh, mini camps oh are coming up here with um, Jordan Love currently being the uh, QB1 right now. I guess he yep. would be QB1. I think Blake Bortles is... Oh, yeah, he's 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 playing reps as QB1, and okay. he just he just came out and Dylan said that uh, he'll be ready QB1 day one <laughs> when we when when the first game rolls around, he's ready to start. And I'm like, oh, God, like, yeah. here we go. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy the fact that the Packers are now experiencing what we experience as Bears fans every single year, which is the you know, idea that maybe our quarterback is not going to be very good this year. And that's, that's what we <laughs> experience every single year. And here we are now they're finally getting to experience a little bit of it, you know, in a very small minuscule amount. Now, the one thing I will say is to start this out first um, is, do you genuinely think or genu- genuinely, I should say, think that Aaron Rodgers will be back this year? That's my thing. First off. Hold on, sorry, I actually messed up the on screen when I was looking at. Um, Just transition it because we get well. Oh my gosh! Hold on, hold on, hold on. There we go. Boom, right back. Immediate fix. Um, Do I genuinely think that he is going to play this year? Um, Like it's hard to imagine a world in which it isn't crushingly disappointing, and he just ends up coming back and playing as usual, and it becomes a little holdout thing where it's like, oh, we had some things to work out. And it's actually fine. Boom, boom, boom. Week three of the season, nobody's even talking or thinking about it. It's hard to believe that that won't happen. Um, Like on the realistic side of me, of course, I really hope it does happen. But I don't know. It's a unique set of circumstances that hasn't really come up before. He's just coming off of MVP. I mean, he does have a lot of guarantee. I mean, obviously, he's loaded for life. He seems to turned a different chapter in his life with like his new fiance and you know doing whatever he wants it seems pretty chill more than he's ever been before at least in the public eye so if i had to put money on like somebody doing something as crazy as that and actually holding out or just straight up retiring out of here out of nowhere makes sense 
I would say that he would be the person to do it because he is an anomaly compared to other NFL players and everything that's been shown about his personality publicly. Like I, yep. the thing that hate, I hate the most about it is like, I do like Aaron Rodgers as a person when I've like in his outside, not NFL side of field and stuff like his personality and the way he like his humor about things and the way he approaches different subjects. Um, I, think he'd probably be pretty cool to talk to and i think i I do like him for that aspect on the field as a packer player um he usually ruins every sunday that they play at the bears and you know every playoff run they'd ever had and everything else like that so hate him for that but he really is the kind of person that i could see doing that and kind of just literally fading away if he wanted to it's not outside the realm of possibility do i think it's really going to happen of course not because that would just be too convenient he'd be leaving too much money on the table for financial concerns and financial reasons it doesn't make a lot of sense but there is the outside chance that he doesn't do the most logical thing and he doesn't care about money and maybe he has a different gig lined up um i don't know what his loyalty to the Packer fan base to do that and how you'd feel about that would be but like I said it's one of those things where logically no of course not but it's not impossible and I could see it happen and my god that would be absolutely top tier offseason content that's what I have to say on that yeah no it's straight up would be it's it's just such a weird confusing world for the Packers right now because like Jordan Love has been like First, you know, first day of mandatory practice. Wow, he's terrible. I can't believe he's going to be their quarterback. Second day. Wow, he's making incredible throws. He's playing great. And I'm like thinking about it the whole time. I'm like, is this like a a ploy? Like, are they doing this to get Rodgers back? Like, and then there's the whole question of like, are they actually going to find Rodgers like $93,000 for not showing up to mandatory practice? And I'm like, I feel like if you do, you put the nail in the coffin. Like we don't want you here, kind of thing. Like well, they're not able to you. forgive those. Honestly, I thought that's what I was reading too. In the new CBA, they can't even forgive those fines. That's just like a baked-in thing. Yeah, but the thing is, is like they could put in like his contract, like like a hey, here's an extra whatever for like the fine that we took care of. Like that's if true. they did restructure a new contract, <laughs> but it's one of those where I'm just like do they find him at this point? Like if they do, like, is that going to like, is that just like the nail in the coffin? Like, uh, listen, we're finding you for not showing up. Like we're trying to stay strong. And then Aaron Rodgers is going to be like, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like good luck with Jordan love here. That's going great. Like just yeah. like Aaron, it's one of those. And the, the scary part too, about this whole thing and you know, it's media and social media and all that. But uh, is that like fans are like legit like n- on the side of the Packers and I'm just like why it's like have you not watched for like literally this man's entire career as they tried every year to piss him off as hard as like as much as they can like did you not watch them draft his replacement after you guys lost the game that what the NFC freaking championship you lost the NFC championship to go to the Super Bowl and the next year your team went yeah, we, you know, we really couldn't stop the run. There's a couple of different ways we could go. Maybe we get a weapon for Rogers and then Gunta Kuntz and, uh, you know, whatever his name is, the freaking coach LaFleur was like, uh, you know what? We're going to draft his replacement. That's what we need. That's what's going to win us that game. We would have won that San Francisco 49ers game. If we had Jordan love back there sitting on the bench, <laughs> cheering everybody on like, this is like, it's just like, are we surprised at this point that Aaron Rodgers is this pissed off at the team? And like, I saw a thing that was like, 
you know, oh, he's not mad at the people. He just wants a say in like what the organization does. And it's like, yeah, he wants a say in what the organization does so that he can call them up and go, uh, yeah, Gutekunst, um, what in the actual hell are you thinking about when you make this freaking decision? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like in a, like I said, they were literally an, a one singular game. They couldn't stop the run and they lost and they would have made it to the Super Bowl. And what do they do the next year? Oh, they draft his replacement and trade up to draft him. And then what do they do? Then you're like, okay, well, maybe they did that in the first round. Well, maybe they'll help out in the second and third rounds. No, in the second round, they're going to draft the backup running back. Okay, but we still have the third round. Now we're going to draft the tight end who's also kind of a fullback. And he's really never going to start because he's kind of a fullback. So he's really not that great of a tight end. So he's really not <laughs> going to be another weapon for him. And then you just go... Yeah, I, I'm not surprised that he's pissed off at you guys. Like, I'm just really not. Like, <laughs> really this, out of nowhere. Yeah, like, man, it's just really crazy. Like, I don't even know why Aaron's so mad. Like, I mean, the team, yeah, the team hasn't drafted a skilled player in, you know, 16 years. But, like, you know, I mean, you know, there's other teams that have done that. And then somebody comes over and is like, actually, um, no, there are, there's not other teams that have done that. And then they go <laughs> like, oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's why he's pissed off. Okay. Oh, yeah. we're the problem. I see. Yeah. Oh, I, I see. I see the problem. I see that we couldn't make it to the Super Bowl in two years. And then we decided to not draft people that would help that. And then like, hey, we lost to the uh, the um, the Buccaneers in a Super Bowl where, you know, one, we chose to kick a field goal when we were down by seven with Aaron Rodgers, our quarterback. Again, another genius move. Um and then, you know, beyond that, then what did you do in the offseason? You're like, you know what? Aaron Rodgers is pretty pissed at us. Let's try and keep him. We're going to get rid of his center. We're going to not extend anybody like, the you know, the wide receiver's favorite target and probably the best player he's had in, since Jordy Nelson to throw the ball to. We're not going to extend that guy just yet. And then we're also going to let, like I said, his center walk. Um, we're also, oh, what else do we, what else do we, oh, you know what? Kevin King was kind of annoying. We should resign him and then we should trade, we should draft a corner in the first round to replace Kevin King, but he's not going to replace Kevin King because Kevin King's still on the roster and they're going to have a competition. Genius. What a great off season. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's some, that's some like, that's listen, that's some like Jets, Jaguars, Texans off season type plans. That's. <laughs> And this is like, you can't do that when you have Aaron Rodgers. He just literally just won the MVP. And we're talking about a guy who's so pissed off at the organization that he doesn't want to show up to the mandatory practices after winning the MVP trophy last year. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Like, and people are like, I don't know why Aaron Rodgers is so pissed. Like, yeah. what? It's he's just making himself look so bad. He should just show up. And it's like, I, okay. Like, what, like he hasn't shown up for 16 years for you like i'm sorry but most teams don't go from hall of fame quarterback to another hall of fame quarterback yeah <laughs> so maybe don't piss off the one that you have right now yeah like have fun with jordan love for the next three years before his contract's up and then he's out of the league because he's not great yeah that's uh what's up craig he was saying uh jordan, jordan loved clicking good dropping dimes and otas sir that was a five-yard pass yeah honestly from yeah <laughs> <laughs> that one pass, literally, he's referencing this tweet that somebody put that was like, Jordan loves dropping dimes, and then literally throws a five-yard Texas route from the running back, and you're like, great. Like, <laughs> wow, what a dime. Like, 
I'm pretty sure I could have thrown that. Like, yeah. it's just so it's so stupid. It's so dumb. And then, and then this reporter, I can't, what is his name? I can't remember. I I'm, I have it written down. Rob Demofsky Demofsky is like I guess a reporter close to the Packers tweeted out about how Jordan Love is having like a rough day. And then the next day he tweets out like Jordan Love had an incredible day. The offensive coordinator literally had to fan him because he was on fire. And I'm like, really? Is this like Jordan? It's so stupid. It's like, like, okay. Like you guys do realize that you have a hall of fame quarterback that you're just like, you've, you're just pissing off every single day. It's, It's not surprising. It's just not surprising. Like as a Bears fan, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, are you just are you trying to make him mad every single move you possibly can? Like, yeah, I literally if you don't appreciate it. Just give him over. Just give him over yeah. here. <laughs> like, I think the Packers organization, like on their whiteboards in every office, just has a thing that says, "I brainstorm what are ideas that we can do to piss him off this year," and then that's what they do, and then they execute those ideas, and then we get to as Bear fans, we go. Wow, the, I can't believe they're just gonna continue to piss off that guy that beats us every single year. Like, <laughs> just so stupid. It's just so dumb. It's so annoying, especially because I'm a fan of a team that hasn't had a Hall of Fame quarterback since Sid Luckman, and you know, I just it's one of those where I'm just like, listen, we got Justin Fields. Shout out to Justin Fields jersey, and um, I'm literally could not be the happiest in my life because Justin Fields is literally the most talented quarterback we've ever had in our entire organization. And then we have to constantly watch a team just piss off their second Hall of Fame quarterback back to back. And boom, that was a perfect transition to what we were talking about here because it wouldn't be a podcast without recouping and going over some of the Bears practice, OTA, yeah. mini camp, whatever it is now. Finish Anyways, up with some of this. Yeah, just just a little bit of brief, just a little tiny segment to throw up on uh, oh. throw up on the YouTube there. Yeah, the one thing I will say, which is funny, because it's it's uh, is I've heard a lot about how like all of the coaches are like just surprised by how well Justin Fields is performing, and I'm like, yeah, it's because you guys had have had to watch Mitch Trubisky for four straight years play terribly, and so like when you actually get a good talented quarterback in, you go, wow, he he can complete that pass. Quarterbacks <laughs> do quarterbacks make that pass? And you go, yes, that's what quarterbacks do. And you go, wow, can't believe that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's 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 what happens when you get a good quarterback that actually has the talent and ability to complete throws on an NFL level. That's what happens. So and, and so in terms of completing throws on an NFL level, this was uh this is a picture of Darnell Mooney when he was asked in a press conference about uh Justin Fields and how his performance had gone and the deep ball and the quote that goes along with it was it's a deep ball, man. He knows where he wants to put it and it's very accurate. Great player, great person as well, which is such a funny anecdote to put yeah, on the end t- because of how many people Mooney, are drooling over him right now. That's because Darnell Mooney was so good last year and that doesn't even hold the fact that like he literally got overthrown on every deep ball he tried to run. <laughs> like the yeah. amount of deep balls that there's there's videos on the internet on YouTube of just compilations of Darnell Mooney just outrunning or you know outskill you know the defender and then he's wide open forty yards down the field and the ball's like underthrown or overthrown or just I don't know not even in the frame because who knows where they were throwing the ball so like it's just it's absurd this is what happens like I said this is what happens when everybody finally gets a quarterback that can play very well one of my favorites is a. Uh, um a guy oh of course now i'm not gonna be able to think of his name um from nbc sports they uh just let had to let they just let him go which was rough because i loved that podcast when he was on there but 
uh, he basically had a tweet that was like, uh, so in practice this today, uh, one quarterback for the Bears was really good. One quarterback was really bad. In unrelated news, Justin Fields has a cannon. And I was like, yeah. It's like, that's pretty much, it's like, that's pretty much what it is. It's pretty much the Justin Fields is every bit the talent and great quarterback that we know he can be and will absolutely can't wait to watch. It's just funny that like literally every player is like, oh, this is what it means to have a quarterback. Like I, like I cannot, the most, the person I'm most excited for is Allen Robinson. Cause I'm excited for Allen Robinson to not have uh, any, any more to catch the ball from Blake Bortles or Trubisky, which are the two quarterbacks that throw him the ball the most, which is yeah. sad. Yeah. And I'll talk about guys that are underappreciated and underrated. It's freaking Allen Robinson, who literally has put up number one receiver pro ball level numbers every year with, like I said, the majority of his receptions coming from Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky. And where are both of those players? Oh, they're backups for random teams, because who cares? And just just to quote, put off another quote on the side of things I've never heard when Trubisky was in practice was from uh, Bears running back Damian Williams, another underrated addition, hopefully. Um, he threw yeah. a ball in cover two coverage. It's a little hole shot that you have to get into. Back shoulder, it was beautiful. And that was also from Justin Fields. And I've never heard that before. I've never heard all the coverages called out in actually precise throws that were thrown to actually break through that coverage. So that's great to hear too. Yeah, God, I mean, so like I said, these. there's so many. It's so funny to watch because it's just we've been so starved as an organization, a city, a media for a a quarterback that can perform at a normal NFL level. And the fact that we even have a quarterback making NFL throws is just blowing everybody's minds because we just haven't seen it. It's literally been years and years and years. The last time I saw NFL throws be made was Jay Cutler. And, you know, it's like I don't even blame again. I've as a Bears fan. I don't even blame Jay Cutler for the time he spent here. The only problem Jay Cutler had was that he was too cocky. But the rest of it, I mean, he was literally getting sacked all the time, had nobody to throw to, and we were just like, all right, Jay, go out there and get killed and try to make uh, something happen to win a game. And Jay, of course, went out and did his best, and I honestly was like sad to watch because I felt bad for him for most of the time. So uh, the fact that we have a quarterback who's playing consistently well in practice and showing what an NFL quarterback should look like is great. And that alone makes, gives me hope for the season. So it would be wrong to go without saying um, in seven on sevens, Andy Dalton got picked off three times today. Now, is that something that really is super important? No, it doesn't have to be, but it's just kind of fun to juxtaposition it uh, to what yeah, but it's, Justin Fields is it's, doing. Yeah, but it's also an indicator of like, uh, you know, it's 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 so one you don't want to you don't want to get overreacting because he's learning the offense just like Justin Fields. It's not an offense he's familiar with. He's never ran this offense before, so he's learning and is almost like a rookie, just like Justin Fields. So the fact that he threw three picks, yes, that's a little scary because. I mean, three picks is not great for any practice or situation, but you also have to understand too fully that um, it's a, uh, you know, it's early and they're learning the playbook and it's not the end of the world. So, but I do think it's hilarious that Justin Fields is basically the quarterback and professional that we all thought, you know, we could get out of every quarterback we've ever had. And so we're all shocked by a quarterback that can just make normal throws. 
And in terms of that, let's see some of those throws because I think we actually have some footage that maybe won't even get DMCA that's on here, just some OTA passes. Yeah. And I think this is probably going to be if one, if not the last thing that we're going to end on. So we had an yeah, extra long edition. Yeah, something to look forward to the future. So let's take a look at a couple of these passes and just get used to hopefully seeing more of these in the next podcast and in the future as well. I think this oh, covers all the frame that. and everything. God, that's so beautiful. I mean, even that throw was great. I just like, oh, look at that. Just the motion. accuracy, the actual touch, the ball getting there right where it should be. It's just nice to watch. Nice to watch for the first time. And who knows oh, these how ones long. are widescreen. But yeah, you could see some of these. Uh, you could see most of the throws from here. Look at that throw. A little dart. Yep. There's a couple of these that are pointed out too. Khalil Herbert, Dalton, and uh, Justin Fields one-on-one -on -one there. Mm -hmm. Damn, how much of this video is in widescreen? That's no, okay. I'm just going to do this because whatever. There we go. I also love everything that Justin Fields has been saying and everything he's been doing. Like the mentality that he has and everything he's just saying is just what you want. It's what you want out of your quarterback. Just everything. His quote that he came on said that, uh, you know, if you, you know, if you're not trying to win a starting job, then why are you here? Like, that's a, fantastic. That's what I want out of my, uh, you know, look at this um that's what i want out of my quarterback um you know things like that things like him just you know basically being a leader and talking and everything like that like i want andy dalton to start still because i think i think what people miss is like people are like oh you need to start justin fields right away he's the better quarterback and it's like yeah but let's let's also give justin fields a couple of games to still continue to pick up the offense like he needs to learn the offense before he gets thrown in with the, you know, the wolves. So let that happen naturally rather than, you know, in a panic state like it could be. <laughs> yeah. My so. God, look at some of the, look at some of the touch on these. I love it. Oh yeah. The ball's beautiful. It's like, oh, it's just, it's great. It's fantastic. It's so much fun to see a quarterback actually make good throws and wear a bears uniform. Cause that hasn't happened in, you just even, even see it coming out of his hand and stuff on some of the deep balls, which they they threw a lot of bombs. They had a lot of footage of like bombs that were being thrown down the field. That was kind of funny. Like, yeah, that one from Dalton, well, it's because they, they run they run the slants and they run the out routes and the uh, you know all the non flashy routes uh, that you would see in a game. They run those constantly in practice, and I'm sure he's performing well in them. It's just one of those where they're not flashy. You know, people want to see the deep throw. Yeah, and, it, and so. it's fair to say too. Um, Justin Fields had, I think, two fumbles when he was coming out of the shot or coming out of the out of center, which I understand he is a primarily shotgun quarterback, so that's not really a big thing to be worried about no. at all. And you also have to gain chemistry and you know and uh, you know build a camaraderie with your center and everything, timing, you know. Because they, it's so quick the the way it needs to happen in the NFL that like it's not surprising that he would have had some issues as far as timing and things when coming out of the center or coming out from underneath the center because it's really it's such a quick you know it's it's like a it's like a field goal kick when you know field goal kick it's less than you know it's like one point seven seconds or something from the fact that the when the ball snapped to when it's kicked it's the same kind of thing with a snap it happens so quickly 
that you have to there's the chemistry issue there's where the ball's going to be placed where the laces are placed you know the this when the snap comes when you snap it because you have to re you have to basically time yourself you have to basically sync yourself with the timing that the center goes by you know his reaction time so it's just there's a lot that goes into that so that's not surprising and that's why you do these you know that's why you do otas that's why you do a training camp that's why you do a preseason it's to work out all those kinks so not surprising yeah and not worry so it looks like pretty much for the most part you got lots of things to look forward to lots of things to follow um yep i'm gonna call this a wrap on uh yeah. june 9th yeah, we an got extra a- long podcast yeah, this is an extra long podcast, but you had plenty of stuff to go through, plenty of topics. Uh, if you missed any of them or want to catch any of them in the further, uh, check out our YouTube channel where we'll be posting all of those clips this weekend, um, as well as any clips from the past podcast you can check out there as well. Uh, if you are here or still listening or are listening at home and YouTube and whatever it may be, thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us a listen. Uh, like I said, it was an extra long podcast, got through a lot of topics next week. We'll have a lot more. We didn't get to the major league baseball topic, but we'll talk about that next time. So that's a teaser for next one. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of news that comes by next time. So, uh, thank you again, Tessa for joining us and teaching us all about that. Thank you. Um, you know, you know, for all of the information that we got from that. Um, and hopefully next time we could bring Tanny on to give us a lesson in all of the Euros and soccer and fo- football in general. So there's that to look forward to. And I think that's it. I think that's everything. Yeah, shouts out to our uh, our editing and our production team for uh, the next couple of days and getting everything up. Hopefully we can actually everything up and posted fully um, without all the bells and whistles. Uh, this time it'll be exciting as well. So that's going to be a wrap uh, on June 9th, probably our most in-depth podcast in a while and lots of lots of meat to go through and lots of things upcoming uh, to go with in the future. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a wrap. And I think almost almost three hours, just just short of three hours. Yep. So So. good night. Take care, everybody. Good night, everyone.